Hello, listeners, and Merry Christmas. Welcome to episode 48, the season two Christmas special. Today, I'm joined by co-host Jamin, and we will be having a great Christmas show for you today. We're going to be talking about a few news headlines. We'll be having a year in review chat about our season two. We'll be talking about a few of the special highlights that we've featured across all of our special episodes this season. And don't forget, stay tuned for bloopers. Welcome to episode 48 of the MJ Cast. The following is a presentation from the MJ Cast, the internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson. You're listening to the MJ Cast by MJ fans or MJ fans. The idea is to uh, innovate, or else why, why am I doing it? When I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. You let it create itself, really. I know I do. And I love to entertain. That's that's one of my favorite things. I love you! <laughs> I love my fans. Just simply Michael Jackson. Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news and discussion on the King of Pop. It's Christmas time. Christmas again. How quick was this year? My gosh. It's flown by and man, have we both uh, done a lot of stuff this year. I mean, you're in a new house. Absolutely. Yes. That was like this time last year. I don't even, we may have just had like finance approval or something like that. And yeah, we moved in in September. So that was really quick. I've loved seeing your videos of, uh, of the Christmas decorations in your house. Thank you. Yes, I did have a really good video that I thought I'd filmed when I had a, a sort of early Christmas lunch with some friends with like candles and the house was all festive and music and everything. And um, because I'm an idiot, I was actually just <laughs> taking a single photo and not actually doing a video on my phone. So oh. yeah, hopefully I'll be able to do another one before the season is finished. I love your monorail. Yeah, so the hubs gave me an early Christmas present, which I loved, and it was um, a small monorail, the Walt Disney World monorail, as like a little train set, except it's not a train, it's a monorail. So I've actually got that going around the side of the tree and then underneath the tree and through the bottom of the tree and out the back and around. Yeah, I love it. It was very exciting. It's pretty much Christmas Day for me today. Because? Because, oh my God, Nintendo and Apple have teamed up and Mario is coming to the iPhone today. That is cool. Yeah, a bit of an having a nerd fest today. <laughs> my favorite game growing up was Mario, Super Mario Brothers 3 on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Is that the one where you get like the raccoon's tail and you can fly? Yes. Yeah, that was so good. Yeah, that was the best. He had like a little frog suit and a tanuki suit. He had so many little suits he could change into in that game. You know who's a massive Nintendo fan? Um, no. James, like big time. He's like... Oh, that's right. He gets all the old systems, the old hardware and stuff. He collects it, doesn't he? Yeah, I think so. So I can't wait to hear what he thinks about Super Mario Run today. Anyway. <laughs> there you go, your early Christmas present. It's and isn't Rogue One coming out in the next couple of days? I'm pretty sure it's out today, yeah. I, I'm not going to be able wow. to get to see it because I'm moving house, but I'm so jealous of anyone who gets to see it. I'm sure Darren Hayes will go like 40,000 times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be going with friends and a friend's mum. Like, it's really cool. She comes and sees all the Star Wars movies like since the first ones at the cinema. So I'll be going with them 
um, after Christmas, so probably after Boxing Day. And yeah, yeah, that'll be so the I'm same. Looking as me. forward to that. I have muted all keywords on Twitter, <laughs> hashtags. I've had them muted for months because I just do not. I, I walked out of the cinema the other day when the trailer showed. Yeah. Before um, I saw Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, I was like, "All right, I'm going to go out of the cinema and get some more straws for the drinks." <laughs> so I'll be back in a couple of minutes when it's finished. So yeah, I don't want any spoilers for that. Uh, Star Wars, Nintendo, Michael Jackson. It's a great time of year. Yeah, I love Christmas. It's so good. We've been playing Christmas carols like on digital radio stations, like oh, yeah. in the car, when we're in the car together, driving somewhere or in the house, been streaming yeah, Christmas carols all the time. I've got all my Disney Christmas playlists from YouTube that I listen to. It's the best. What have we had on high rotation? Bing Crosby, obviously, Mariah Carey. And, Classic. Um, Jackson 5, of course. Of course, yes. That was one thing I was so happy to find in the move was my lost ultimate Christmas collection by the Jackson 5 because it was a Christmas album, but then this one's got, I think, two extra tracks. Now, I've never heard those. I'm, I'm really surprised that um, like when you told me about those, I was like, what? I, ne- I didn't even know they existed. Yeah, there's like a little medley and hmm, it's pretty cool. So I was very happy that in the move I found that because I – didn't know where the heck it was. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. How did you want to get into this? Well, let's let's kick things off by doing a bit of a year in review for for the for uh, Michael Jackson and the MJ cast. And it's been a big year. Like, for our show especially, we've, um, you know, done another big season. We initially thought that this season Huge would have... season. We, we thought, or I thought it would have a few less episodes than season one because we really churned out the episodes last year. But we ended up doing pretty much the same amount, and we're thinking that by the time we get to next year for season three, uh, episode our first episode of season three will be our fiftieth, which means we'll have done an average of twenty five episodes per year. Wow! Yeah, so it's been a big year for us. I can't believe episode fifty is coming up next year. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, what are we going to do for that? It's a big milestone, so we better make it good. <laughs> mm. And it's been a big year for MJ podcasting in general as well. Uh, we've seen a lot of growth, you know, like the um, ladies over at The Dream Lives On, their podcast's going really well. And um, Jenkins yeah. released some amazing episodes this year as well over at Moonwalk Talks, mm-hmm. some terrific content over there as well. That's right. So, yeah, the podcast landscape seems to be looking very, very strong. Uh, Michael Jackson fan world seems to be looking great. There's some awesome um, sort of conventions and events that have happened this year. You went to one of them. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, the one in Melbourne. Yeah. That's what you mean? Yeah, yeah, the Melbourne one. So um, for Dangerous 25, I flew from Perth over to the East Coast to Melbourne, beautiful Melbourne. I love Melbourne so much. It's like my favorite Australian city. And there was a weekend of events right across Saturday and Sunday. For It was actually for a few things. It was, of course, for Dangerous 25 celebrations. And it was also for the 20th anniversary of michael in australia for the history world tour wow which i got to see in brisbane and perth so karen from mj book club had organized the day events so karen had organized a book club event with a big uh video discussion with susan fast author of dangerous 33 and a third and uh karen had organized walking tours of melbourne for different Michael stuff 
in the city, like um, just shops with Michael names and visiting Michael Lane. There was like street art down alleyways of Michael that hasn't been painted over yet completely. So they got to see stuff like that. Different sites in Melbourne that Michael had been to over the two days. So um, sadly, I didn't get to go to those but from all accounts and the photos, incredible photos that Karen shared across social media, they look like really awesome days. So it would have been really great to participate in those. And Paulie D um, from the Michael Jackson Australia page over on Facebook, he had organised the night events, which was a, um, a screening of the Dangerous Short Films in like a little mini sort of hotel cinema, which was pretty cool. So he'd organised that and that was really fun to see the the short films on like a big screen because it was a fairly decent-sized projection screen that we were sort of watching. So that was really cool. But, oh, my God, it really reinforced that we need this stuff on Blu-ray quality yeah. because when you watch something on DVD quality blown up to the size of a, a wall, you really notice the quality does not hold up no. of um, the visuals, not his visuals, but the actual, again, output visuals. It was really the resolution. Yeah. Resolution, that's the word. So we did that first and then we went downstairs and it was in this sort of like a backpackers bar because the hotel was sort of like a little backpackers hotel, really nice one, by the way. And it was an amazing venue. So we had this bar downstairs with all these huge screens around everywhere and projection screen on the wall. And Paulie had spent about 4,000 years, I reckon, putting together this sort of YouTube playlist of like Michael mixes and mega mixes and mashups and video clips from YouTube. And they just played all across these screens. There was a message from uh, Saeed Garrett that she'd sent for the event. Amazing. It was so cool, so cool. Um, so, yeah, it was like music was so loud and pumping and the crowd was really, really a decent-sized crowd. And they looked really into it from that video you shared. Um, everyone seemed to be – I think they were singing Man in the Mirror or something like that. It was really cool. Yeah, there was a few moments like that. Like, yeah, when Man in the Mirror came on, like, you know, this crowd of MJ fans started singing and, you know, really was getting into it. There was a really awesome moment at the end of – Will You Be There, like when They Don't Care About Us came on, everyone's like singing the lyrics. And so it was a really awesome event. And I was there till very late at night. I think it was possibly after midnight or very close to midnight when I left to get my tram back out to my mate's place where I was staying. So it was really fun. It was really fun. I'm very glad that I got to go. So big thank you to, to Karen for organising the uh, day events for all of the MJ fam that attended those who had a great time and uh, for all that Karen does. And she's such an inspiration and it just shows that any fan can organise something. Like it sounds really complicated and and it's not. It's really easy for fans to organise stuff like that. Yeah, especially now in Australia in particular, now that we're doing our thing as well, if you organise an event, let us know and you'll have a you know, pretty much a giant platform for us to advertise it on. So Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And search for local Facebook groups as well. Like in Australia, there's Michael Jackson 
fans of Perth. You know, there's one in Melbourne. So just yeah. search for Facebook groups. There's uh, MJ um, fans, or- MJ F A N Z, meaning. Um, Australia and New Zealand. Australia and New Zealand, yeah. yeah. So there are groups out there that you can join for your local areas and it's so easy to organise events. Um, and then, yeah, mega big thanks to Paulie D uh, of the uh, Facebook group Michael Jackson Australia for organising the fantastic night events. And he was saying, you know, it just started out, I'm oh, just going to have some catch-up drinks with MJ friends uh, for the dangerous 25th anniversary, and it turned into this whole huge two-day event. So it was incredible that it evolved into such a huge success. So yeah. Paulie, all of the love, man, thank you so much for organising that. Um, and I had a great time like meeting people there, and there were so many that I met. So this is just a couple, but um, like Michelle and Mary, Luca, Simon, Judy, Cha-Cha, Dan uh, and Julie, Emma and Myra, you know, it was so wonderful. Uh, some of those are listeners, so I got to meet, you know, listeners for the first time. Yeah. That was that was a bit trippy. It was, it was really cool to see the photos because, of course, um, Simon in particular sent us that great photo of him listening to the MJ cast on his PC or something at work. Yeah. So I knew his face from that photo and then I'm like seeing him in other photos with you at, at this event or in the video and I'm like, oh, that's so cool. There he is. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, and Luca um, yep. was so cool. You know, we, we talked to Luca a bit. So, yeah, it was that was really weird. <laughs> they're like, hey, Q. I'm like, hey. And they're like, oh, I'm Luca. I was like, what? That's so cool. <laughs> so I've met, like, you know, friends that I've made from podcasts online before. And, yeah, it's it's a bit funny when you do get to meet someone. But Very yeah, cool. No diff- yeah, but I hope they could see just a just a – MJ fan like all of you guys. Yep, pretty much. And yeah, that was it was a great event. So yeah, that was really cool to happen this year. Yeah, so that so, so that was a big deal. And then there were some other big events that happened around the world. Like of course, Kingvention happened, which from all accounts was an incredible experience. We know Karen and Elizabeth from Michael Jackson Academic Studies went to that. Really, really good to hear from all the people that were speaking, like Dan Beck and Yuko Samita Jackson and. Tom Russo, Mike Smallcomb, Mike Smallcomb as well. They said it was really good. So hopefully one day we get a chance to head over to Kingvention in London, which would be very cool. It's I just get like a lot of, I guess my I just feel like really happy and excited that every year these fan run conventions are becoming bigger and better. Yeah, I think there was such a a big gap. Yeah, between when they used to happen. I know in England they used to happen basically annually they had some huge things like michael even went to a couple didn't he yeah he went to the killer thriller one which Mm. was really big yeah they used to happen a lot and it's just really great to see that they're happening again and growing and uh sure they might not have the support and blessing of the michael jackson estate and sony but it just goes to show what fans can do themselves they can do it even better sometimes well, most of the time. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think so. so. Uh, we had, you know, Brad Sundberg doing seminars worldwide and he'll be here in Australia in January. He so will be, yeah. So it's awesome to see. If we've heard great feedback from people that have attended those across London. He, he went to Mexico this year. Uh, he did 
Berlin. There were so many that he did. God, he's been busy. Other collaborators did stuff too, like Lavelle Smith Jr. was doing seminars. Vincent Patterson. Who I really want to talk to one day. Hi, Vincent, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he doesn't know about us yet, but yeah, we'll try and line that up. (laughs) We're friends on Facebook, so watch your inbox, Vincent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. So big year. It's been a good year. And then on the official front, we had some things happen, like Dangerous 25 sort of happened. Yeah, we had uh, videos on YouTube that were uploaded incorrectly. Uh, we had ter- terribly designed t <laughs> Is this what you mean? Terribly designed T-shirts? Yeah, and- yeah, yeah. This is what I mean. Okay, yeah. And that was it. Uh, we had a calendar. Oh, yes. That- Love calendar. calendars. <laughs> yeah, started the year off with uh, Off the Wall with Chalk. So oh, yeah. Cool. Love that short. There was, of course, the Spike Lee documentary. Which was, was cool. pretty good. It was, it was good. It was, you know, worth watching for sure for the Triumph footage. And was that it? That's about it on the official front. Thanks, Sony. There's a couple of things we're still waiting for to happen this year. Like what? We're still waiting for the last photo shoots documentary to come out that we spoke about. Yeah. Craig Williams was um, promoting that again during Michael's birthday in August, saying it's kind of coming soon. And uh, the last thing I saw him say about three weeks ago on Facebook, he was interacting with some of his followers, and he was saying that the, sh- the movie's ready, it's locked in and ready to go. He's got permission to release it, but it just he's just waiting on things to happen. So it should be coming soon. Great documentary. Well, hopefully, still waiting. Yeah. Uh, we had, of course, what else have we spoken about this year that hasn't happened? We're still waiting for Kerry Anderson to write a book. From what I understand, Kerry's, yeah, I mean, there's been a couple of things that have happened in his life that have set that back a little bit. Um, and we know from friends yeah. that writing a book is a monumentally huge task but it's still coming like i spoke to him a couple of months ago on facebook and he was like yeah yeah it's still coming tell your listeners it's on its way but it might be just one we have to hold on and wait for but i'm sure it'll be well worth the wait because he spent so many years with michael you know protecting him as his head of security so it should be a really great book we did get the uh tavis smiley book Mm. didn't we tavis smiley fan fiction yeah and there was another book. What, who was that? Um, Dangerous Philosophies of Michael Jackson? No, no, no. Uh, no, that was a good one. There was a book with a black cover. Oh, The Genius of Michael Jackson? Yeah, who wrote that? Steve something, Knopfler Not, or something? Steve Knopfler. Yeah. Yeah, so that came out this year. That was a big disappointment, I think. Someone gave me a copy, so I was like, okay, thanks. And I had a look, and I was like, no. Nah. Uh, this probably won't be getting read. We also, of course, had the uh, the news of, was it this year that Neverland went up for sale? Yeah. Or was that last year? That was sad. We had, this year was actually a year of pretty sad news between Neverland and the catalogue. Goodbye catalogue, let's be gone. Yeah. Catalogue sold, all in Sony's hands. In saying that, even though there's some really sad developments happening with some of Michael's most prized possessions, things that he loved, like Neverland and the catalog, you can see positive movement in some of these big court cases that are happening around that, like the IRS one. Yes, that's Um, right. Um, Branka has to testify. And I hope they ask him a lot of questions. I can't wait to be hearing what he has to say to some of those tough questions, especially. Like, I don't know if they're going to ask about, like, will legitimacy and some of his decisions as executor. 
Uh, it might just be simply around his valuation of Michael's name and image, but yeah, it'll be interesting. So that's happening. Vera Sarova is moving ahead full steam with her case against Sony and the estate and Eddie Cassio and James Port, uh, which is great. Some positive developments there. Charles isn't here today to be able to give us some updates on that. But if you look at the latest court documents at the mjcast.com slash Cassio case, you'll see that the judge has not thrown the case out, but it is moving ahead because it was found that um, some elements of Sony's advertising were absolutely false advertising. So, yes, that's good. That's it. So that's so, 2016, yeah, it has really. been a big year. It's been a big year. There's been some great things. There's been some not-so-great things. But, like we said, it's awesome to see that the great things are generally coming out from what the fans are doing. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm glad that we got to cover a lot of it. Something this season in 2016 that came about, which was not really planned. It sort of happened over what was it the first six months of the year. There was the planning for it from a simple idea was, of course, the launch of the MJ cast in Espanol, our sister show for our Spanish speaking listeners. Yeah, and we obviously can't be on that show because we don't speak Spanish, but we've got three amazing hosts that uh, picked the concept up. It was actually Jason's. Uh, Jason, that's uh, right. Yeah, Jason's idea really to start with because um, he was already a podcast host uh, of another show. And so he then um, took this concept and ran with it. Jason Garcia, Ali Huerta, and Sandra De La Vega uh, you guys are amazing. We love you. Thank you for everything that you do for the MJ cast in Espanol and all of the uh, Latin MJ fans around the world. Uh, yeah, Jason, you know, your expertise expertise uh, putting the shows together uh, has been very well received and recognized. Um, so thank you so much for your hard work and putting the shows together and Ale. Uh, for doing such an incredible job across uh, your social media networks and interacting with your listeners. We really appreciate that. So thank you so much for doing that. So, yeah, let's hope uh, next year, 2017, has some awesome new stories and good news, not only with Michael but with uh, the Jacksons as well, who got to do some performing this year and different things that we covered throughout the season. Yeah, let's hope next year is full of awesome Michael news and no holograms and great stuff. What do you think, Jamin? Yeah, I'm really hoping so too. Like this year was good in terms of the Jacksons. Like we got um, some great stuff from 3T and Jermaine and just can't wait to see where the Jacksons Tracks family... off Tito. Tracks... Yeah, Tito. And of course, by, actually by the time this episode drops, TikTok on the Tito clock, it'll be Tito time. Yeah, I can't wait. Those tracks are really good so far that I'm really enjoying them. Uh, so can't wait to hear what the whole album's like and who knows, maybe we'll have the pleasure of speaking to Tito. Absolutely. That'd be awesome and crazy. That would be very, very cool. Do you remember when we fell in love? We were young and innocent Do you remember how it all began? It just seemed like heaven, so I did it. And do you remember?
Hi, this is Sam from the Michael Jackson Academia Project, and you are listening to the MJ Cast. All right, well, we might also continue with some news this episode. There's not too many headlines we need to get to, but we haven't actually done a regular episode in a very long time, so we thought we might Yeah, you guys have been spoiled yeah. for specials. <laughs> Roundtables and specials coming out your ears. You forget that we're a news and discussion show with all the specials we've given you. <laughs> I looked at our Instagram. Um, you know how when you go to Instagram, it shows you like a collage of all of your recent uh, pictures. I was looking at yep. that and it's just purple everywhere. <laughs> sea of purple. Sea of purple. Um, but anyway, we do have some news to get to and it's it's a bit different to last year. This time last year, I don't know if you remember Q, but do you remember how many leaks we were getting? Oh my god! Too many. <laughs> it was like impossible to stay on top of. Uh, there was it was just crazy the amount of leaks coming out of MJ Beats. But we've had um, another leak recently. The History World Tour live in Basel uh, is is slowly leaking out. I think MJ Beats is choosing not to release it as one full show in one hit. Uh, this time they are kind of drip feeding us with a song per song uh, sort of uh, thing. Uh, Scream came out. We've seen, I think they don't care about us and a couple of other songs now from that particular show. Want to be starting something, I think I saw yesterday. That came out yesterday. And it's a really interesting show to watch because um, it's during the day. So it's a History World Tour, but it's, I mean, I'm, I have no doubt it's at night, or like night time because it's in Europe. The sun's still up. So, uh, yeah, it's really interesting to see it in that sort of light, especially the crowd shots and things like that. But, yeah, it's a good seems like any other sort of history show not too much different stuff going on there like we sort of discussed on previous episodes but really fun to watch and it's always a really great feeling whenever you see new mj footage these days so yeah cool of course back in our dangerous 25 roundtable episodes we had uh the awesome andy healy on the show and he had announced his release of the dangerous 25 ebook release for his 101 series and there was unfortunately a um, delay in its release due to some events but he is going to be having that out ASAP I know that he's working on that again soon uh, or right now he's actually working on it yeah I think he's kind of working around the clock on it sort of thing yeah on an imminent release of his 101 series newest entry so that will be very cool for a nice christmas reading yeah it's uh gonna be like i know it's not perfect timing in terms of his release and what he wanted to do but it's perfect timing for me because by the time it comes out i'm pretty sure i will have moved house and i'll be on a big long drive to brisbane with family and i can't you're gonna read an ebook as you're driving my phone i'll have to squint but I don't understand. You're not meant to be using your phone while driving. No, Todd will be driving, my brother. Oh, your brother. Yeah, he's Got coming it. up. So that would be cool. We'll do sort of like half the drive each, 12-hour drive, which is pretty epic. But that's what Andy's books now are so I perfect understand. for, um, for nice long commutes where you can really get into it. Um, and it's really unfortunate that it's coming out a little bit later than he hoped. And my heart definitely goes out to Andy and the, the challenges he's been facing uh, and the, the family, minute. absolutely. Yep, but yep. Um, chin up, mate, and uh, we're all here to support you and we can't wait to get your amazing product just as soon as you're ready to release it. Oh, my God, I'm so looking forward to the pictures from the Dangerous Era. Oh, They're yeah. They're going to be so good. Oh, that's that's another reason you've got to get into to Andy's books because it's not just what he says in them, it's the, the visuals. Oh, my God, he's got such a great eye for 
um, typography and and pictures and the cover. I love that cover. Yes, I had posters, and I think I have a T-shirt, a history to a T-shirt of MJ in that black fencing outfit. Michael really liked to play with that concept of fencing, didn't he? It never really kind of got up and going, I think, in full force. But, you know, the start of the Dangerous World Tour, Elizabeth explained that the um, gold outfit is actually sort of like a, I guess, a throwback to like fencing attire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so can't wait for that book. Coming soon. We'll keep everybody up to date. Keep an eye on our social media networks on, you know, Facebook and Twitter, and we'll be sure to retweet um, and share Andy's book as soon as it's coming out or follow Andy directly. <laughs> Absolutely. Even better. It's uh, on Twitter. I think he's MJ underscore one underscore zero underscore one, I think. We'll have links in the show notes. Just go to our show notes. Yeah. More exciting news. Janet Jackson in 2016, was expecting a baby. She couldn't go to work expecting a baby. That's right. So uh, not sure There has been, yeah, we don't know. But I'm guessing she's had the baby by now. And, uh, of course, Janet is intensely private. Yep. So I don't think she would have announced it. Like I said to you the other day, I think when we are going to hear about the news of the baby, the first thing we'll hear about or see is a photo shoot of some kind of her with the baby with Wissom as well, I reckon. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think definitely she would have had it by now. Well, she looked in that photo shoot that came out. I can't remember what who did it. It Was was it Ebony or no? People. It was a People magazine shoot. The People picture, she was heavily pregnant in that, and that was a while ago now. So yeah, I reckon she probably would have had it too. So congratulations, Wissom and... Janet, yay! On the arrival of new baby Jackson. Oh my god! So, Imagine how much talent is going to be in that baby. <laughs> Billionaire father, super incredibly amazing, talented mother. Yeah. Bam. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Very cool. So happy news there, I am sure, but we don't officially know yet. No. But we'll be sure to share any news that comes out from the Jackson camp when it happens. Stay tuned on social medias. So in the last week, we saw a few pictures over on Instagram from Tom Woodruff, who was he the director of the You're Not Alone short film? I I can't say definitively, but I don't think he was. I don't think he was. I think he was just an effects guy, like special effects guy. Yeah. So we saw some photos, makeup shoot, test, um, and special effects shots when they were trying to figure out the size of the wings for Michael in the You're Not Alone video. They were cool. Yeah, it's very interesting photos. Uh, A couple of interesting observations. When you look at the photo of Michael, looks like he's kind of outdoors actually, (laughs) but there's like an arrow kind of going there's a special effect of like he's been shot with an arrow in his like abdomen Mm -hmm. yes i that my some of my favorite artists of uh now like modern artists are french couple pierre and gilles and i have loved their work for many years decades now i think Mm. um and what they do is they take these photos and then they hand paint on the photos Mm. So, um, 
they take photos of like people like so there's photos there was a saint that was killed with an arrow and it made me think of this picture of Michael so they they have photos where they would get their model and sometimes it would be a really famous person like you know Kylie Minogue Madonna Boy George they've actually been in Piangil pieces they would take the picture of their model in this pose and the background would be this really I guess tacky looking glitter and plastic ornaments and look really sort of fake and just really sort of low budget sort of effects handmade sort of stuff but then when they paint hand paint over the photo it adds this sort of dreamlike dimension to it they've got some very explicit photos very beautiful photos so that photo of michael with the arrow it sort of instantly made me think of like a pn jill piece and how amazing it would have been if um pn jill had ever got to do a photo with michael jackson like wow who was that um director of the video that the duet with freddie mercury um got to be more to life than this oh yes yes i who don't... was the direct who was the director was it dave la chapelle yep I think he's done some photos of lookalikes of Michael. Mm. He's done a series of three pictures. There was one where Michael was sort of laying on the lap of it was it was like a recreation of that picture of the Virgin Mary holding Jesus on her lap and Dave LaChapelle did a photo of Michael in that sort of pose. He did one of Michael looking a bit like a saint. I think he used that Carlo impersonator guy in his photo and digitally altered the face to make it look more like Michael. Mm. So those photos look like Pierre and Gilles photos to a degree. Wow. But yeah, these were cool to see. I hadn't definitely hadn't seen them before. I had tweeted out, oh, here's a photo I haven't seen before. Yeah. it's. I love the one where he's kind of like got a trucky hat on standing in front of the wings and <laughs> someone tweeted out like Michael just really knew how to rock casual shirts. <laughs> I think it's, it looks like a pajama yeah, shirt it, to me. I think it's a pajama top, but that's a really awesome photo as well. He loves the baseball cap. He looks so intense in it. It looks like he's on the starting of the Dangerous World Tour. He's got this intense look on his face. <laughs> he's like, these wings are too big. Yeah. Yeah. Cool to see some new photos and stuff. Always. And again, just goes to show how much sort of behind the scenes material and stuff there is of these brilliant music videos or short films, should I say. I would have loved to have seen some more behind-the-scenes stuff of history-era films. I think that the history-era videos are the classiest videos of his oh, career, maybe with the really? exception of... Dangerous? Um, what? How can you say that compared to, like, Smooth Criminal? Well, okay, Smooth Criminal's the number one. Okay, I guess what I'm saying is, like, as a set... Like if you look at all the all the thriller ones versus all the bad ones versus all the dangerous ones versus all the history ones, I would say history as an era has the classiest videos in general. All the other eras kind of seem to be a little bit hit and miss for me in terms of the video quality. I think we're gonna have to agree to disagree on this. What what's your what's your short film era then? Your best. Bad. bad. Obviously. Bad. Yeah. And then Going through the dangerous short films recently, 
man, we were spoiled for short films in the Dangerous Era. Yeah, there were. There a are lot. some incredible films. Like Remember the Time, of course, is a masterpiece. Black or White was an epic. But even the simplest videos for Dangerous, like the Heal the World video, I know um, Sam brought this up in, I think it was the Dangerous 25 special roundtable we did, sorry. Like, yeah, the Heal the World video is the visuals of that are so powerful and so incredible, especially with what's happening in Syria and stuff mm. now, which is just horrendous. Yeah. Um, the video for that is amazing. But even like, you know, Michael in filmed in Munich for, I think it was Munich for Give In To Me. Like that's such a good video. I think, oh, but then I don't, I don't think there's like a classier era than others. I just think that. See, I didn't the, like the "You Are Not Alone" video. I love I never it. Loved it. I love it, and yeah. I love, I love all of them. I love "Scream." I love "They Don't Care About Us." I love um, "Stranger." Well, "Stranger yeah. in Moscow" is my favorite. I don't know. I just find it a very consistent era, like consistent quality. Where, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Okay. I mean, we can't always have the same opinion on stuff. So, mm. <laughs> like, I know Earth Song was beyond epic. I think for me, that was probably one of. That and Scream were probably the best videos of the history era. The power and the Earth song and the special effects and stuff, it still stands up completely. But then we got things like Blood on the Dance Floor. I don't count that as history era. To me, that's history like a couple, mix. It's a bit later. It's Blood on the Dance Floor era. <laughs> that that video, yeah. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of. Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> like the, the, <laughs> he didn't make it. The dancing's great in it. But the visuals, I don't like the visuals. It's too clean and too, it's too manufactured. It doesn't feel like a, I, I think it's. That's why you like that eight millimeter yes, look version more, yes, isn't it? Because it feels more like a nightclub. It's like the, 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 <gasps> the one that was released, it's like in this weird manufactured plastic club thing. And that's weird. I don't like it. Yeah, there were no clubs that looked like that, no. people. No. <laughs> no. But just quickly off like on off topic, the remember the um Blood on the Dance Floor history video for history, the remix of history, when they were in that nightclub and the girl had the virtual reality helmet on. I've seen that a couple of times, yeah. Yeah, I actually really, 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 really like that video and I quite like that mix as well. Um, when we were at the Dangerous 25 event in Melbourne that Paulie did organise, it was the closest thing to being in that video that you could imagine. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> because there was like um, Dan and Luca, you know, busting out some moves. A bunch of people were busting out dance moves. And then all around us were those video screens, like with all the videos of Michael on it. And everyone's like dancing and singing. So it was like being in that little video clip, which I think from people of that era had always watched that and go, oh, my God, I'd love to have been in a Michael nightclub and the Dangerous 25 Melbourne evening event, that's what it was like. Did you have VR goggles? Didn't need them because everything was already in 3D. <laughs> oh, sounds awesome. What did you think about, you remember the Blood and, no, sorry, the History on Film Volume 2 DVD? With the gold statue. What did you think of how on the second side of that, there was blood on the dance floor, but it was the Fuji's remix? Annoying. So you prefer the original song? Yeah. Like I, if I 
going to have a video collection release, I want it as the official released video. Yeah. And how, when was the last time we, when was the time we actually got the proper blood on the dance floor video released? Was it, which one was on the vision set? I don't know. I can't remember that actually. Hmm. I just, that was annoying. It was, in, it seemed inconsistent. Like put both on. If you're going to do that, put both on. I think the greatest video collection release we got was the dangerous short films, VHS and DVD. Yeah, I think so as well. Because it had all the behind the scenes. It had the cool animated like titles between the, the videos. There was like things like the Grammy speech in there, Super yeah. Bowl performance. Like that, it was just like the perfect video release. It really couldn't have been better. Had like Pepsi ads in it. Do you prefer that format where it's like really disjointed and it's like here's one thing, here's another thing, here's another thing? Or do you prefer sort of like the Spike Lee documentary style where there's a narrative going through it and they're showing bits and pieces of lots of things? No, I don't want bits and pieces. I want the whole thing. Yeah. I want the – yeah, it might be disjointed, but it's like a goodie bag of awesome MJ video and archive stuff. Hopefully we get that one day. In good quality. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. <laughs> I won't be. Good. Well, there's the news for the last few weeks. Yeah, we couldn't do all the news of the last, what, three months that we've not had a news episode, so sorry about that. No, we just wanted to cover the big stuff, really. Yeah, we just wanted to give you a little taste of the news before we wrap the year up.
Michael Jackson of the Jackson 5 wishing a happy holiday to all Motown fans. Well, one of the big highlights of this year, I think, has been the range of special guests we've been able to speak to as a part of the MJ cast. And who has that been, Jamie? Well, we kick things off with episode 26, Diana Walsack special. Mm -hmm. That was crazy. That was like, for me, like... I always wanted to speak to her because I've always been in such awe of the history statue and the cover yep. of that album and the teaser. Yeah, me too. So yes, my favorite. We got to speak to the person who was pretty much the mastermind of that visual look for the album and campaign. Yeah, and that was awesome. And she was so lovely. Oh my god, and shared so much. That was like a masterclass of sculpting and yeah. No, it was great fun. It was a great first special of the year. And if you haven't, then go back to the podcast feed and find episode 26 or scroll down over at the MJ cast to find direct links. And how much actual input did Michael have around the sculpture itself? Well, he had a lot in that he he knew the pose he wanted to be in. Um, you know, I did work with him on that. I don't know if I can describe exactly what I did. <laughs> I feel like I need to be hypnotized to bring it out. Yeah. But I do remember, like, you know, I don't know, grabbing is the right word, but taking his hands and, you know, placing, you know, like just trying to get like the composition and the, or practical aspects to work, you know? So, well, that's when I'm there, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I have lots of uh, in my notebooks. I you know it seems I've got so every. I've, it seems like I have my train ticket. You know, to it ended up being in New York because Michael was there and I was near. So Sony arranged it. I had asked for him to not have makeup um, because I felt that was be distracting. You know, in the references for me, I just wanted to see. You know, you know what I mean. How makeup yeah. can change the way things look. And I arrived there, and he wasn't there. I think I was supposed to get there early, now that I look back at the notes. Nancy McDonald was there. There were, like, tables and tables of food. Uh, There's a big white space um, to do the shooting. We waited for Michael. Uh, He wasn't that late, but (laughs) he went into dressing room for 30 minutes. So we had to wait for that. And his bodyguards were eating all the food. (laughs) (laughs) and they were sweet they were big guys giants and um and then he came out full of makeup (laughs) but it was like it was magical to meet him though uh i don't know how to describe it except that you can like you can sense it, it could i could feel the greatness it was you know greater than i expected you know we he really is bigger than life, you know, even though he's not really that big or anything, but he just exuded magnificence. (laughs) You know, I'll I'll just never forget that. And what was he like to interact with as an actual person? Was he, you know, funny and polite and what was he like to talk to? Yeah. He was sweet and, and very polite and, kind of really soft-spoken, as you, as you probably know. We talked quite a bit, and so I do need this hypnotist to get some of that conversation back. But he, um, he asked me about a sculptor that I didn't know and I don't remember the name of, so that's, that's not good. I'll have to keep trying. I mean, maybe somebody knows. Um, he was asking me about some sculptor that he liked and that he wondered if I knew about, and I didn't, and so that was too bad, but <laughs> um, he did ask me about that. He also asked me if I would make him a copy, and I agreed to do that. So Michael ended up with a copy of the, the maquette, the, st- the sculpture. Well, I'm not sure, actually, now. It was definitely my intention, but when Sony asked for... I caught a copy to be sent for a production, which is the video that you love. I told them that I would be sending them Michael's copy because I had promised him a copy. So I'm not 100% sure what has happened to it, but I do know that unfortunately it was, it was cast by some guy in a, in a production facility in Los Angeles when they received it and they kind of just set the mold, you know, aside somewhere they cast it. And then they did some kind of process, which I'm not familiar with to make that 10 foot version. They, they did some kind of copying process using my, my cast to make a 10 foot. Mine was 48 inches, which is four feet. They wanted to make a 10 foot version for the video. Which I did, and that's probably the best of all copies out there. Episode 30 was another special. We had uh, Rob Hoffman, which I know 
a lot of people enjoyed listening to. Yeah, that was a real uh, sort of eye-opener for me in terms of how things worked in the studio with Michael. A lot of fun to listen to. Uh, I remember seeing him post a lot on the Gear Sluts forum back in the day. Never thought I'd get the chance to talk to him, but it certainly was a lot of fun. We did. We spoke to him and had some great stories. History has gone down really um, amongst fans as being one of his most important albums, especially thematically. Like if you, if you, it's really a statement, I guess, around everything he kind of dealt with in the early nineties, all the negative things he had to deal with. Like he really, he really brings all of those emotions out on the record. You know, a lot of people talk about it as if it's a, some songs are angry songs, but for me, it's just raw emotion. And oh, Michael yeah. being just to- putting himself totally out there like he hadn't really done before on a record. Yeah, it's highly personal. There's no question of that. Yeah, and did you get a sense of that when you were working on the record, that it was something special and different to what he'd done before? Oh, yeah, and uh, the interesting thing, I-, I think I've mentioned this before, but I'm-, but I'm not quite sure. You know, the history record was not originally going to be a double CD. When we were brought on to work, we were told that there would be two to four new songs, probably just two, and... The rest would be the greatest hits. So originally it would have been a one CD, uh, 10 to 12 greatest hits, and then two to four new songs on top of that. That quickly, once Michael got to New York, that totally, that plan was completely blown up because he's like, I got a lot to say. And we were, you know, immediately working on eight to 12 songs, which I think expanded, you know, into the neighborhood of 30 or 40 songs, you know, within six months. So you know, we in in a sense, as as Michael fans now, we we all got really lucky that he had kind of that power and that drive to to write all these songs and put them out there because that was not the original intention. So we got lucky. <laughs> Absolutely, and and just talk to me a little about the recording process. So obviously, with history, you've got you know a certain amount of com- totally complete songs that came out on the record, and then you, you just mentioned that you worked on around thirty to forty now that's obviously a lot more than what's on the album itself. So yeah. at what at what stages of completion are those other, you know, 15 or so records? Sure. So mo- I would say that the majority of songs, Michael would come in and uh, he'd have an idea and he would sing this idea. We, we all, every studio, every, everybody on the session had a little micro cassette recorder, which I don't even know if they're made anymore. And Michael would sing his song idea into this micro cassette recorded. In many cases, he'd sing, you know, the hi-hat pattern. He'd be like, okay, it's, it's basically going to be this tempo. And then he might sing, you know, a, a quick like pattern, you know, he beatbox something and then he'd sing a melody and he'd sing a bass line. And in some cases, that would be it. He'd, he'd leave Brad Buxer and Eddie and Andrew and myself and kind of be like, okay, I'll see you tomorrow. And <laughs> we would have to interpret, uh, and, and so much of this fell to Brad's shoulders, uh, Brad Buxer, you know, Brad would have to sit there and interpret, you know, first he'd build a tempo map and figure out exactly the tempo. And then, you know, listen to Michael's beatbox and say, okay, well, that kick drum sounds very heavy. Let me use the 909 kick drum for that. And this snare drum sounds, you know, very light. 
uh, in the beginning, that's probably, you know, this 808 snare drum, but then he gets heavier in the second bar that probably, let me add a clap to it. And he would kind of interpret the beatbox and build a groove based on that and then figure out the bass and, and other parts. And then other songs, Michael would, would sit in the room with right next to Brad's keyboard and they would actually literally uh, go through every sound, kick, snare, hi-hat, and Brad would build the groove with Michael sitting there. And then over time, you know, there might be other musicians called in to play their parts, but the essence of the majority of songs really started with Michael singing and Brad interpreting that. Um, of course, that changes with R. Kelly and Jimmy Jam and David Foster um, and Renee Moore. Um, but that the majority of songs, especially the personal ones, were all Michael singing parts. Would it be fair to say that Stranger in Moscow would be a good representation of that process that you just spoke about? Yeah, for sure. Stranger in Moscow, um, They Don't Care About Us. Um, gosh, any song that doesn't have a full co-writer on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't have the record in front of me. Sorry, I should have grabbed it. But uh, that's okay. You know, the Dallas Austin song was uh, this time around. The basic groove guitar part was very fleshed out when Michael heard it. Yeah. Uh, Scream also very fleshed out production wise when Michael heard it. You are not alone was fairly simple in my mind. Um, the first time we heard it, it was really uh, you know a groove, an MPC uh, drum machine kind of groove with Rhodes and bass. Um, you know, and it was Michael and Steve Percaro that kind of took it into the, the highly produced version that you hear. Um, but yeah, I think Stranger in Moscow and They Don't Care About Us are probably two of the great examples where Michael literally sang every note, every beat, every, every piece you hear in that song came from Michael's head. One thing we love doing as a part of the MJ cast is speaking to authors and the first author we got to speak to this year was the author of uh, one of the best Michael Jackson biographies I, I think's ever come out. And that was Mike Smallcomb. That was really good and such a good book. And after a couple of hits and uh, misses of books, Mike's was definitely a bullseye, I think. It was a great book. Yeah, yeah. It was Probably just... was it, oh, I guess we couldn't really say book of the year to anyone because there was a number of good books this year. But if we did say Book of the Year, Mike would be, be... Yeah, he'd be up there. And the thing is, too, front like, runner. I think Mike's book is... You've got to comp- compartmentalize these things. Like, you can't really compare Elizabeth's book to Mike's or Damien's no. to Mike's. But the thing is, if I had to say, what is the best, hands-down best, career-spanning biography on Michael Jackson? Mike gets it. This is it. This is the one. This is it. If you want to learn all about Michael and his art from start to finish, get Mike's book. It's just a shame I I didn't get to speak to him on that episode. That's it was a bit of a a bummer that one. But you got to talk to him on another episode. No, I didn't. I wasn't on the Dangerous Twenty Five one. That was you again. Oh, you were stuck (laughs) in machine control. Yeah, Yeah, Mike. I'm keeping Mike all to myself. It's kind of like the whole Brad Sunderberg thing. I never got to speak to Brad either. Remember, I wasn't on that show because of the computer failing. Oh, my God. I keep forgetting that stuff. It's like you're by my side all the time, Jamin. I keep forgetting. (laughs) 
Yeah, there has been a number of books coming out since his passing, which do concentrate on his his art and legacy. So I had a question, which was, why another biography on Michael Jackson? What does Making Michael offer readers that other recent releases and older biographies does not? Well, I started this in 2010, and at that point, obviously, I mean, apart from... Um well, J.R. Tagorelli, obviously, his book has got a lot of personal personal life focus as well, but also a lot of career focus. But apart from that book, there weren't any, you know, the books that we've we've had come out since then, obviously, Joe Vogel's book being the main one. They hadn't been written by then. So, you know, I, I wanted to be the first to write any sort of book on Michael Jackson's career with, you know, a focus on the music. But um, so, yeah, in, in 2010, when I started that, I wanted to be the first Obviously, a few books did come out during my writing process. Then I knew that, you know, I had to change my approach, delve deeper into the career of Michael Jackson than ever before. So, you know, to offer readers a glimpse of the real Michael. Part of the reason why it did take me five years is because I had to, I had to try and make the book totally different to those other biographies that you've mentioned that, you know, came out. Okay, Mike, I wanted to ask you, now that you're talking about that you wanted to make it different, tell us a little bit about your writing process over those past five years that took you to put this project together. The starting point, you know, was to gather all the information that was already out there, um, you know, in online forums, court transcripts, web interviews, old magazine and newspaper articles, and, you know, bring all that under one umbrella. But um, I knew that, you know, the only way I could really go behind the scenes and deliver an accurate and most importantly, fresh account of Michael's career was to contact as many people who had worked with him as possible. In the end, over 60 of Michael's collaborators, you know, agreed to be interviewed, which was fantastic. I was both shocked and pleasantly surprised at, you know, how open and generous those individuals, you know, were with their time and insights. In terms of, you know, the writing process, it was, the book was mostly written in, uh, in Cornwall, where I live at the moment, and London, where I've previously lived. And also in California when I was there, a couple of trips to do my interviews. Um, yeah, I twice travelled over there uh, to conduct some of the interviews face to face and uh, to get a feel for the city where you know, Michael made most of his music. So that that was really important for me. But, you know, as well as interviewing while I was in uh, Los Angeles, you know, I visited some of the recording studios where Michael worked, Westlake where Thriller was recorded, and Record Plant where Blood on the Dance and Invincible were made. But um. You know, in terms of the writing process, it took me much longer to, you know, Reese, as I said, it took me much longer than I anticipated because I was trying to discover new information and, you know, take different paths in that attempt to make, you know, the most complete anthology possible. Right. Was it uh, one of the focus of the book for you to concentrate on his work schedule? You use the chronology very well, the dates, there's an order for yeah, those. that's it. Yeah, I tried to make each, that's what I tried to, you know, make completely unique from anything else. I tried to make each album sort of like a journey, dedicating, well, each chapter that's dedicated to an album, make that album like a story or that chapter a story in itself. So like you said, the chronology was really important. That was so difficult to to research you know when for example dangerous during what period you know jam was made or heal the world mm -hmm. I, I tried to make it like a linear narrative to each album right so as if yes as if readers are there with michael on you know his journey in recording and completing each album tremendously difficult to do that but um, i got there in the end it was wonderful. I really enjoyed uh, making me feel like I understand how everything came together and like I understood the whole process. Sometimes I read other books where they mix all the dates together and I don't get it. But with your book, it was like I understood when it was fall, when it was summer. I, it's like I'm reading a Michael Jackson diary. Yeah, that, that was the most important. You know, when I, when I started the book, that was my 
real goal. That was the biggest challenge that I faced. It was incredibly difficult to get all that information, but uh, I got there in the end. It was important to follow a linear narrative, you know, with twists and turns, you know, to make readers feel like they were there for the ride with Michael, like a fly on the wall almost. Right. What was the publishing process like for you after you'd actually finished putting it all together? I self-published it. I decided to do so from the beginning because... You know, although although it was costly, I chose to self-publish this uh, rather than seek a traditional publisher for one simple reason, and that was control, because I wanted to fully realise my creative vision and not that of somebody else. You know, to have the final say on everything from, you know, the title to the content, the length of the book, the layout, the front cover design and the photos inside. So I was sort of the managing director of this from the beginning. Obviously, I had it all professionally put together for me in terms of, you know, design, edits and all that. And it was very expensive. So was, as an author of a Michael Jackson book, I've had people say, you know, that you're doing this for money leave Michael Jackson alone you know authors are always in it for the money but I'm not <laughs> I'm not unlikely to make much money from this at all because I've self-published this through the fact that I love writing um you know a Michael Jackson fan and it's just a book that I wanted to write from the beginning as I've said before because a book like this did not exist so it's not it's not about money for me it's just you know a labor of love Episode 33, it was the Vindication Day special with Scott Ross, which uh, our awesome friend Charles Thompson masterminded this episode and helped put this together, and it was incredible. Some really like mind-blowing stuff that um, Scott Ross spoke about. Definitely. It's a, it's a funny sort of trend in the Michael Jackson fan world. I mean, this might be a little bit to inside baseball but there are groups of people in the michael fan world who think that um michael's vindication and the mid-2000s court case really shouldn't be spoken about at all <laughs> it should just be kind of ignored and that was a horrible thing and let's not talk about it and let's just focus on the positive stuff but at the mj cast we kind of do like to focus on that a little bit because it shows how michael overcame massive obstacles in his life um to still go on and be an amazing artist and this was no different scott ross was the private investigator or the lead investigator actually um, for tom mesero and the team that defended michael against uh, those allegations in the mid-2000s it's great hearing some of his insights yeah i think there's parts of the community that also just think tom mesero did everything and that was not the case at all like scott ross did everything to set up for tom put so much together and put the whole thing together behind the scenes, like for Tom to come present and, and for Susan. Oh. So it was like, you know, such a team effort yeah. for this. Um, and for me, these Vindication Day episodes have been about education yes. and educating people. And we had some great feedback from what uh, Scott Ross shared in this episode. And if you haven't heard it, head back to episode 33. It's not a difficult listen or anything like that. It's uh, an amazing listen and you will learn a lot. Look what this, look what this case did to Michael's life and, and for what, you know, he left the country. He stopped working. He left his home that he clearly loved you know, I, I got to I got to hang out at the house, have dinner at the house and see every part of the house. And, you know, let me tell you, that was just spectacular. It was something something to behold. 
You know, another fact, by the way, I don't think it came in at the time of the trial. You know, when they said that Michael was, they were sleeping in Michael's room. You remember all that nonsense? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Did you know that Michael's bedroom, and I'm talking about the house, forget the house. Michael's bedroom was 3,000 square feet. It was like a two-story house all on its Correct. own pretty much. Yeah. His bedroom, just the bedroom, just the bedroom. Forget the living room, forget the library, forget the God knows what else. Was three thousand square feet, but that never came out. I mean, it, it was it was huge. So my house is three thousand square feet. So if somebody spent the night in my house, doesn't mean they were in my room. So they could they you know, could be two thousand feet away. It, well, and you know, it was really really another thing that was annoying that nobody seemed to pay any attention to, and I was I apologize, but I was screaming at Bob Sanger, "Come on, say something." You know, they talked about when Starr was testifying, they talked about how Starr had gone up the stairs and he saw all this activity happening. And then they turned around and they said that that Michael had alarm systems set up. So if somebody went up the stairs, it would trigger the alarm system so that he would stop whatever it was that he was doing. And that's why he wasn't getting caught. Well, wait a minute. Starr is the size of a Buick. How did he get past the system? I mean, the kid was what, like 5'3", <laughs> 280 pounds? Mm. Yeah. So how it's not like he could turn sideways and sneak past it. So how did Star manage to get up the stairs if they say it had an alarm, the alarm was intact, the alarm was functioning? Again, they made statements that if you really paid attention to were completely idiotic. Well, that's what I was focusing on. You know, and those are the kinds of things that I would bring to everybody's attention. How is this possible? Again, like I said, when I hear a story, so I'm reading the discovery, and when I see this story, I, I'm pretty sure I called, I don't remember who I called, I'm sorry. I, I called somebody and I said, wait a minute, pay attention to this. And I remember Sanger was doing that part of the thing and I was a little disappointed because I think it should have been exploited significantly more than it was. I know it was brought out, but it, again, just the the idiocy thinking that you have an alarm, the alarm is there because you're a, you're a child molester, you put the alarm in play, yet this guy with a license plate strapped to his ass can get past it. I just don't get it. <laughs> You know what I mean? And this is what I'm saying. When I listen to something or read something, I can prove it. I can disprove it. And this was one of those things that we could completely disprove. And that's why this family was incredible. It wasn't just the the ridiculous things that Janet Arvizo was saying about being hustled away in an air balloon or whatever other nonsense she was coming up with. But when all is said and done, it was... uh, um, Again, it was sad. It was sad to sit there and watch what happened to Michael. I left before the verdict came in. I left before closing arguments. I really didn't think that it was my place to sit there and watch this three-ring circus. This was still a person, and it really didn't matter to me whether he was Michael Jackson or not. It was it was just a person whose life was in complete upheaval. And one less person sitting there watching this idiotic dog and pony show, I, I, I just had no no reason to sit there. There was no point in it whatsoever. Another day that's very difficult to move through in the year is June 25th. Uh, It's the day Michael passed away in 2009, and we certainly don't celebrate that date every year, but we do like to mark it um, as an important date with uh, conversations with people that knew and worked with Michael. And And just to help other people out there who are on their own have something to interact with on that day and to help remember Michael with and know that we're right there with you. It's a tough day to get through. So anything mm. positive we can bring helps the rest of the community, I think. And 
uh, we we wanted to speak to somebody who'd have a lot of positive stories this year, and we certainly got what we wanted by speaking to Kevin Stay, uh, who gave some really funny, awesome insights into what it was like working with Michael in choreographing performances. Yes. So talk to us about the MTV 10th anniversary show and uh, specifically the Will You Be There performance. I mean, as, as I think about it, it, it really is, in my opinion, one of the most timeless pieces of art that Michael was involved with, especially uh, choreography-wise. It's stunning, stunning to watch. Talk to us about the experience of putting that together with Michael. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I'm getting, like, goosebumps right now. I really do feel... I love that you said that because it really is for me exactly that, a work of art. That that performance to me was more than a performance. It transcended it transcended pop for mm-hmm. me. I know Vincent Vincent approached it as a piece of art. He approached it as this 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 as a message. It wasn't and that's what I think is missing in a lot of today's stuff is that there's no message. It's just movement for movement's sake. There's there is just like how, you know, what's the next sexy step? And it's Michael's stuff wasn't about the next sexy step. It's sexy because it's powerful. It's sexy because it's beautiful, you know. And then there's a message behind it. That's what makes it timeless. I think that performance was it was well, it was extraordinary to be in it certainly, and then to watch it, it feel it does feel timeless. Timeless. It feels like it could be at any moment, you know. The, the it was at this hangar in Santa Monica. There were thousands of people. We did it live several times, and you could see the sea of faces that were just stunned. And normally you'd think of a, 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 a Michael Jackson audience as this screaming sea of, of you know, fandom and insanity, and you could tell that the audience gave it the same reverence that it felt doing it. Like, they, they were almost silent. You'd never expect that from a Michael audience, oh. but they they were a bit stunned into silence. Like the peaceful beauty of mm. the of the number, I think it really impacted everybody that was there. Not only just not just in the audience, but also even us on stage. To have this this choir and sea of people behind us, you know, on these giant risers, and and to be right there with him, and you could feel him performing this song that was so important to him um it, yeah it was it's, it's certainly my one of my favorite favorite performances i've ever done um yeah it's so so rich and the choreography when i, I could just watch it over and over again for hours because it's like the, the the moves really tell a story and there's just so much subtle sort of spirituality i think in some of the moves like in, in the the way he positions his body and yeah, it's beautiful to watch, and I'd I'd love to know the thought processes going through his mind of what the moves meant to him, and ah, oh, it's yeah, very deep. It was, I mean, we were the those of us on the stage on the on the ground with him were his street clergy, is what Vincent called us. Um, the 
the overall like, the those images, all those like all the images we created with the the globe and the the sort of transitioning images were originally inspired by those little Catholic um, the Catholic cards where they have where you see a little like, tableau and a composition of the saints. Yeah. That's that's where those sort of visuals came from originally. So you have these sort of these gestural moments where things are connecting compositionally, mm. where there's energy reaching out to one another, where there's something. And they, in those Catholic cards, you see the saint gestures, to, you know, down to the right, and that means you are reaching to this poor soul on the side. Like those motions have more behind them than I'm just giving a port de bras. They're actually. <laughs> They're actually coming from these religious iconic moments that are engaging uh, spirituality. So it's it's very uh, appropriate that you feel like that these movements have a spirituality to them because they come from a spiritual place originally as inspiration. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, that was That's awesome. A, <laughs> I'm learning so much. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever asks about the process, you know what I mean? I I, I, I think that's fantastic that you are because oh. um, if I have if I learned anything about dance and choreography, it is that is it is a language, and you can go to this language and have a conversation and talk about nothing if you don't pay attention. Like you could be talking on the street on your phone, blah, blah, but or you could be having a really deep, profound conversation within your movement. And Vince always makes sure that he's having a conversation, an intentional conversation, and not just blabbing, blabbing, blabbing. Hmm. Like like words and nonsensical words. Amazing. Do you find that there are any moments that stand out through working with Michael that <laughs> you just think, wow, when I look back, that's the moment that was just so special or so eye-opening or so magical in some way out of everything that you ever did with him? <laughs> this is going to sound very weird as a magical moment, but it's what always stands out for me. <laughs> it's not... It's not what you'd expect as a magical moment, but I think okay. it gave me insight into being human and finding normality within the excess and craziness. And it's something that you don't hear often about Michael. It's his sense, his sense of humor it was his, like extraordinary and hysterical. Um, at one point, we're we're I'm, I've told this story before, so stop me if you heard it. <laughs> but I. Um, so we're on the set of Black and White, and uh, John Landis had brought his kids to the set. And they're, I don't know, maybe like 9 and 11. And they're over by the monitor in Video Village, which is about maybe 30 feet away, 20, 25 feet away, maybe 30, 25. And so all, we're all there for the Cossack part. And I think uh, – and, and and Michael's like wired up because he's going to rise up into the air. But um, we are kind of all around him just chatting, and, and he looks over – and he goes, oh, my God. And he gets this crazy look on his face, like just almost like excited, nervous, giddy, like he can't believe it. And he turns to us and he goes, look, look over there right now. Right now, right now, look, 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 right now. So we look over, we look over, and John Lennon's daughter is digging up in her nose, like really hard, like really, like <laughs> just picking up in her nose, like just going for it, like, you know, rolling around. You can see her, mo her nose moving way over here, 25 feet away, right? <laughs> and... <laughs> And Michael's just giggling away and he can't believe it. He's like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Look, 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 look. So we look over and then we start making bets over whether she's going to eat it or flick it. Oh. <laughs> so she – I know. Wow. <laughs> so we're looking, we're watching, we're watching, like, just, like, 
our hands are over our mouths, like, what's she going to do? What's she going to do? And we look over, and suddenly she eats it. No. We all all, all screamed and screamed, and Michael was laughing hysterically and just pointing. And obviously, she had no idea what was going on because she's, like, so far away. But it just it, it 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 landed home for me that you can be on a job and and have fun that you can have a sense of humor. Um, I was saying that your 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 work can be fun and your fun can be art and your art can be fun and that all you can have all of that at the same time. Yeah. And it it I've held that with me always when I go to to sets and things that I I want to have fun that I want to like laugh. And that I can, and that it's it's. I give myself permission to have fun, and I give myself permission to laugh. And I think that's one of the reasons why I still work with so many people is because I have fun, and I don't have a problem with celebrity. And I, I that's that's. I think that's what a lot of people in that world want. It's rare that you um, have people around you that can treat you like real people, um, and that you can laugh with, and let your hair down, and trust. And I try to be all of that. If this was a regular episode and not a special episode, I think the name of the show would be The Magic Booger. But because it's not... When you said magic moment, I was like, that's what came to mind. I was like, well, here you go. <laughs> magic Brilliant. isn't always exactly what you think it is. <laughs> it's the little things. <laughs> It's the little that things. Little. That's the that's the title of the episode. It's the little things. <laughs> Straight after the uh, episode thirty-four, G twenty-fifth special was another special. It was the MJ one hundred and one special, the performances. Uh, that was for Andy Healy's uh, at that time latest entry into his ebook series, and it was a. Uh, sort of a countdown, not really a countdown, but a list of Andy's top performances. It sparked a lot of great discussion. But to, to get really in deep with Andy about um, him putting these books together, that was awesome. And he's such a great guy. We were very lucky to be able to speak to him a number of times in this season. Did you ever get a chance to see Michael perform live? Yeah, uh, I was fortunate enough, Bad Tour, when it toured Australia in November. Um, I saw it at Melbourne at the, um, the Olympic, Olympic Park and then camped out overnight uh, for dangerous tickets and was first in line when they cancelled uh, the concerts that morning. Um, so I was a little annoyed with that. I saw the History Tour shows in both Melbourne and Sydney and did have tickets for uh, for This Is It. Wow, that's so cool. What sort of do you remember about, like, you know, seeing the Bad Tour? I guess you would have been quite young then. Yeah, the Bad Tour for me um, still remains as, like, one of my favourite all-time live shows, um, not just of Michael but of anyone. It was just an amazing experience. You know, that was when Michael was 100% live with his vocals. Uh, the energy was just unstoppable. And there was just a rawness to it that uh, that kind of really came through in in his dancing, in his performance. Um, it was just an amazing show. And, uh, yeah, you know, I as I say, got to see him in the history tour and things like that. But uh, that for me was like, you know, a moment that will uh, forever stay with me, just the excitement of, of, uh, of, you know, seeing that floor open up, those floodlights 
burn through the the, the park and uh, and the silhouettes appear and yeah, it was just amazing. When you were watching the history show, were you like, could you help yourself but compare it back to the bad tour? Yeah, I mean, look, you'd kind of you know as a Michael fan, you kind of grabbed everything you could. So I had seen the HBO special from Dangerous, uh, the Bucharest tour. You know, and, and history, the way I see it is history was a great live production. You know, and it was an amazing concert. I was fortunate enough to be at one of the shows where he did DS and Come Together. So that was like, okay, this is fantastic. You know, for whether perfectionism or for health issues or whatever, you know, the, the greater reliance on backing vocals took a little bit away from the connection, I think, between Michael and the audience in terms of the way that you feel when you're hearing someone singing live. But, yeah, I mean, the history tour was amazing. I, I think I saw it three or four times. So, you know, it, it never failed to to, uh, to delight me and just kind of have that amped-up excitement once again. But, yeah, you couldn't help but but compare it to, to kind of the bad tour. And I think because that was my first, you know, Michael show, I think people who saw Victory Tour or, you know, fans who saw the Triumph Tour or something like that will probably go, that was their first interaction. That's kind of the concert for them that's always going to be their Michael Jackson concert. I guess when we compare concerts, you can really sort of only compare Michael shows to Michael shows. Yeah. And I guess in some ways, the bad tour was sort of, I guess, what we would call a simpler, yeah, like you said, raw show compared to the production of the the following shows. So I guess, yeah, yeah the bad tour, I guess, is like the sort of the epitome of a simple pop concert. Yeah, with just an amazing talent out front that really doesn't need to, uh, you know, have big tanks rolling up on stage to, uh, <laughs> to to enthrall you. Not that that was a bad thing, but, you know, I remember um, I was in Sydney at the time of the History Tour and somehow was being interviewed on radio or something there and the guy said to me, oh, what did you think of all the special effects? And I said, um, Michael Jackson is his own special effect. You know, the, there's there's nothing like seeing him on stage. And um, for me, a lot of the, you know, the, the defining moments of Michael's performances are just him alone on stage, whether it's doing Billie Jean or Human Nature or something like that, where just the, the sheer brilliance and talent of the man shine through and there's nothing to kind of distract or obscure it. The next special we did, Man, we've said the word special a lot. <laughs> well, we know it's your favourite word. <laughs> Maybe that's why you say it so much is because we've done so many special episodes. I just thought of that. Did you know there's now a hashtag against my use of the word special? That's hilarious. Somebody started a hashtag. Like and a, a drinking ago, game. Yeah, called Stop well, Saying Special. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. <sighs> but this was, a what, episode 44? Episode 44, and yeah. It never started off to be a special, did it? The concept for it was something very different. Yeah, like, okay, let's give, give a bit of background, yeah, a bit of inside baseball. Here, so this was a very interesting evolution. So what we wanted to do this year was we wanted to introduce a brand new format to the MJ cast called Roundtables. And we did that and they really took off and everybody's really enjoyed them. But then we also thought, well, since people are enjoying these new formats other than just like regular news shows and then interview specials and roundtables, let's do a fourth kind. And we thought of introducing short, sharp, focused episodes 
called supplementary episodes where a guest of some kind would come to us with an idea and they'd say, look, Jamin and Q, I've got this idea. I want to do a 20-minute episode just on this one aspect of Michael's life. And then because it would be no extra work for Q and I, we would just get them to record what they want to say and we would just drop them as supplementary episodes. And we thought that the first one we could do would be with, with Charles. He, well, it was Charles' idea, yes. wasn't it? He said, I, I would like to do something for the 10th anniversary of the 2006 World Music Awards. Yeah, so at the same time, he came to us saying, I want to do this show. And so we thought, well, great, let's do that. We'll drop it as a supplementary. But during the process, we kind of learnt that it's in our DNA, really, to do long shows. Like, <laughs> we can't put out short shows. It just doesn't work. And because Charles is... You know, essentially, he's an award-winning investigative journalist. So, yeah, that's not going to equal in, a twenty-minute show. <laughs> that's not going to equal a twenty-minute show at all. So he he's I think he started off wanting to do something short and focused, but then ended up speaking to Raymond Bain and Harrison Funk and a bunch of fans that were at the World Music Awards in two thousand and six watching it. Um, in addition to him, and it ended up being this amazing unique piece it's an episode really like no other um that we've done it before. is not like anything else we put out ever and hats off to charles hats off to charles and and to be honest i think that it's it's unlike anything we'd be capable of doing because this is where charles's expertise um and skill as a journalist really shines and uh, you can't you can't just recreate this. This is the sort of thing, the sort of talent you have to have in you. And uh, he does an, an amazing job of piecing together a story um, and cutting back and forth between all of these people he interviewed. It's beautiful. It's like a work of art. I love listening to that show. It blew me away. This episode, I was really blown away by how pro this was. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, that story that Michael was booed off the stage in 2006 at the World Music Awards was such a horrendous lie. And this is the episode. If you have not, I would recommend this episode above a lot of others in our series so far because it is an incredible telling of the events of the 2006 World Music Awards. And don't worry, I've spoken to Charles and we want more of these about other topics in the future. Yeah, we'll see what we can do in the future. <laughs> we can't force him. <laughs> Charles is He's his own man. He's a very busy man, very busy. <laughs> but we'll see what we can get. <laughs> yeah, but go check this out, episode 44. Following another sizable delay, Lindsay Lohan appeared on stage for less than 10 minutes until the 11pm curfew to announce that Michael was returning. A choir of local teenagers took to the stage and Michael's record-breaking 1985 charity anthem, We Are The World, began to play over the sound system. After several minutes of the choir performing alone, Michael emerged onto the stage, microphone in hand, and surprised them. Audience members burst into tears some fainting and having to be rushed away in wheelchairs as Michael walked down the line shaking the youngsters' hands. Greg Spinks describes the scene. The moment Michael came on in stage was 
everything I hoped it would be and more. I'd never, ever witnessed anything like that in my life. And I'd seen uh, artists previous to that moment. But the sheer excitement, and the sh- it, it, it was like watching, you know, the history teasers. It was, it was exactly like that, where you would see all of these people crying, screaming, jumping. And, you know, this went on and on and on and on. My reaction was astounding. This 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 was my one of my favourite performances from uh, We Are the Well for Africa. The the fan reaction around me and the, the general buzz of the entire arena was just electric. It was absolutely electric. After greeting the choir, Michael burst into song. Unlike during his speech, I could hear him loud and clear. He was singing live and he sounded good. The experience was almost euphoric. Here's Angela's recollection of the moment. Everyone was ecstatic. Um, even me and you, who are usually quite composed, just went, you know, tried to get into the, you know, the the bit that comes out of the stage, like that walkway thing. Yeah. Like we were trying to get as close as possible. I remember you had a massive smile on your face, and um, yeah, everyone was just. It was really. It was. It was something special. It really was. You said to me earlier that I was happy because his microphone was switched on. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I remember you turning to me going, he's singing live, he's singing live. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I really do remember, actually, was um, it was the first time I'd ever been close up to him. Um, and even though we were not right up at the, at the walkway, it was not that big a venue. And the the walkway went right down the centre. So even if you were stood at the edge, you had quite a close view of him. Mm. Um and one thing, there's an image burned into my brain. I'll never forget it. I just remember watching him walk down that kind of catwalk. And I remember being struck by the sort of um, majesty with which he walked. There was something kind of very graceful and ethereal just about the way he moved. I've never seen anyone move like that before. It was almost like he was gliding down the stage rather than walking. Yeah, pretty much the same. I think he, I mean, he, I think he probably knew that, you know, from that reaction that he got, I, I think it probably put him in a quite a confident place. Um, and I think that's what everyone wanted to, to give him, you know, as well. After everything they'd been through in the past, in the previous few years, I think everyone wanted to not only see him back, but kind of show him the support. And, you know, in a way, sort of show him that, you know what, we, you do belong on stage and we do want to see you on stage. And to have that in front of, you know, in front of, uh, I mean, this is the World Music Awards, to have that in front of his peers would be, you know, quite something. But Michael didn't seem entirely comfortable. The backing track was the original studio recording of the song, and Michael was trying to compete with Stevie Wonder's solo vocals. Additionally, the audience appeared to be causing him problems. He looked towards the mixing desk as he sang, as if to ask why he couldn't hear himself. After a few lines he gave up, and headed down the catwalk that jutted into the audience. The crowd was going berserk. He shook hands, collected gifts from his fans, before coquettishly removing his custom Roberto Cavalli jacket, and tossing it into the audience, who promptly tore it to shreds, trying to retain a trophy from the evening. 
Harrison Funk was in the pit with his camera, chasing Michael around. He described the chaos. He came out. People went nuts. The choir was behind him, or the the group of kids was behind him. And he just took off from there. You know, he walked past, and it's, it's funny because as he walked past, I was on stage left, which is where which is opposite where you were. I'm going to follow Michael from from where he comes out down along that long runway. And this cable puller for whoever's doing the TV recording pulled her cable and it got between my legs and it tripped me. And Michael looked down and he stifled a laugh. And he looked straight at me and he he just kind of like gave me this look like, get up and get back. (laughs) And... And so I jumped up and I, you know, I ran ahead. So I was a little ahead of, a little ahead of, and I followed him around and he came around to the other side of the stage where you were. It all happened so quickly. It was unbelievable. It was like, a, it was almost like the difference between shooting Michael that night and shooting him on tour was tremendous because, because it was nothing rehearsed. I had no cues to follow. I had no idea what was going to happen. It was winging it. And Michael handled himself brilliantly. You know, he walked out, he greeted people, he waved, he, he was, he was in constant communication with the audience. His eyes never stopped darting back and forth between people. You know, that's one thing Michael had the ability to do was make people feel like they, like he was performing to them. And I thought he did that brilliantly. Okay, he didn't, you know, he didn't sing through the whole song. I think he was just reveling in the fact that, that he was reveling in the in, in the the adulation in the, the you know the, the the thousands of people adoring him, and I think it it hit him at that point that he had to come back. I think he saw that people really loved him. After completing a circuit of the catwalk, Michael beckoned the choir to walk down and join him, then span around and again burst into song. His voice was deeper, naturally, than when he'd recorded the song in his twenties, but he hit the high notes exquisitely, contrary to some reports in the coming hours and days. But no sooner had he started singing than the sound crew cut the track, mid-sentence. They had hit the 11pm curfew. No matter. The audience noise only swelled. He hadn't performed Thriller, or even sung a full song, but the audience seemed not to care a jot. Michael remained on stage for some time after the song had ended, soaking up the adulation. As he went to walk off, he paused at the edge of the stage. He smiled broadly, placed a hand on his hip and raised a finger to his lips teasingly, as if pondering whether to stay or to go. The cacophony grew. Michael raised his fist into a black power salute. A few moments more, and then he was gone, the crowd still roaring in his wake.
I was just amazed that that um, how the this how it went. It, you know, the, the cheers just kind of went went up and 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 it it just kind of it was infectious. It it, it moved around the the entirety of, of Earl's Court. I thought the place could have fallen down with all the cheering and and the stomping. Um, do you remember how it was how the the floor was shaking from the stomping? I, I was next to monitors to audio monitors. I couldn't hear him speak, and I know he did loudly and clearly, but but it was just overrun by all the cheers. It was unbelievable. There was no mistaking the king is back. The last special episode we did of the year was episode 47. It was the Dangerous Philosophies of Michael Jackson special with Elizabeth Amazu and Karen Merckx from the Dream Lives On podcast and the Journal of Michael Jackson Academic Studies. And it was terrific to be finally able to join forces with both of the ladies and yeah, some of our inspirations in an episode. And I know that some of our listeners have already been so excited that we finally sort of joined forces for a show <laughs> together. So that was really good. It was a great discussion, some really great discussion. Ashley in particular, our follower on Twitter, Ashley has been so, so pumped by the fact that we did a show with... Yeah, um, hey, mate. Hey, Ashley. Yeah, with his other uh, favourite Michael Jackson podcast. So. Yeah, but for me, it was too. Like, I'm a big fan of the um, the Dream Lives On podcast. So yeah. it was a real thrill to be able to speak to the ladies and to uh, talk about Elizabeth's book release. One of the, the well, this year was probably um, a big year for books, but Elizabeth's was the uh, really the first academic study of Michael Jackson book. So her textbook uh, release was a pretty big thing, really, in the book in the book MJ book world. So it was great to be able to, to hear about the evolution of that, the idea, the concept, how it came to be, uh, talk to Karen about the artwork and um, about the, the journal, the, the, some, the journal that they work on uh, so hard. So, yeah. Elizabeth. Or, no, I know you guys are such a great team and you can both, please, and you have been, which has been wonderful. You both chime in and answer the questions because you are a terrific team together. So it's not just to Elizabeth at all. But I know that this is what your whole book is and you can't sum this up in a short answer. But it's a question I really must ask because I have heard you speak about it on your podcast, Dream Lives On. What makes Michael's philosophies such a dangerous idea. It's the radical nature of them. It's faith, hope, love. And it's the same thing that Jesus was crucified for because it can change the world. And there's a magic, like a world-changing magic in the message that Michael carried with him his whole life. And because it's so transformational it can be easily perceived as threatening and for me that's what makes Michael so dangerous because he he was never he was never afraid to say that love will heal us all and he was right that's the truth Karen have you got any thoughts on that yeah 
uh, no, well, it's exactly what she says. It's um, if you look at it, the whole his idea of 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 hope, love, and um, he did this also in a period, and it's uh, Joe Fogel writes about it very very good also in his book Earth Song in a time that no one was interested in it so bringing out songs to heal the world to bringing out um, um, songs that um, we need to care for the environment that we need to care for each other that we need to care for children is kind of dangerous in a time that people do not want that at all not interested. The greed is good. Ethos. Well, so that made him uh, dangerous. And look at the society we live in now. Look at what's happened to America. Yeah. Look what's happened to the UK. Yeah. Mm. You know, corporations are in the way of us saving our planet. Yeah. It's so illogical that oil companies would have the deciding vote on whether or not we destroy our world. But that's what's happened. And Michael Sang Earthsog did a short film in 95. Yeah, but he started that song already in the end of the 80s. Yeah. When he was and in uh, Austria. Yeah. yeah. And right up until This Is It, Yes, that might have been Michael's big comeback in London, but he, it wasn't the promoters that then brought that message of faith, hope and love and healing the world and, and the urgency of the environmental catastrophe. It wasn't the promoters putting that message into these best of sort of concert tours. It was no. Michael and he did that Michael. right up to the very last minute. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Definitely. He paid a very heavy price for, I honestly believe, his conviction in wanting to bring that message. Because I've been learning that the purpose of art is to illuminate. And if the art illuminates something shameful often the artist is blamed mm -hmm. and instantly it's shame on you for making such a rotten piece of art. But really, the shame is not with the artist. It's what the artist has uncovered with the art. It's the mirror he shows, yeah. And then you look and you see your own ugly face and then you say, <laughs> that's your... <laughs> it's true, <laughs> it's true. <Yeah. laughs> But that's how it works. Yep. Yeah. And a lot of artists have it. You know, yeah. But Michael, in, in Michael specifically, because he was worldwide so, so famous, he had the power. And he was, um, he knew that his message could reach out to so many people. That's also dangerous because you step on a little, on uh, many toes and people who do not want you to say this, yeah. So he was brave.
Delighted to have with us one of America's youngest institutions, five of our very favorite people who in fact are doing us the honor of letting us celebrate with them their 10th anniversary in show business. A great welcome, gang, for the Jacksons. See if you remember these songs. I never can say goodbye. Don't wait for me. I never can say goodbye. Even though the pain and heartaches seem to follow me wherever I go. Though I try and strike to have my feet and they always seem to show. Then you try to say you're leaving me and I always never say no. Tell me why. Is it so? Is it so? Don't wanna let you go. Hi, this is Janneke and you're listening to the MJ Cast. If you're after a leading magazine on all things Michael Jackson and the Jackson family, check out Jackson Source. Jackson Source publishes Jackson Magazine annually and it offers a full retrospect of the previous year covering all the news, highlights and events of the first and next generation of Jacksons in the form of articles, interviews, photos, categories and exclusive contributions from Jackson family members. The 2015 edition of Jackson Magazine is now available and features articles about the message in Michael's music, the legacy of the Jackson 5, exclusive interviews with Tito, Jermaine, Taj, Terrell and TJ, as well as exclusive pictures of Tito, Jermaine, Jafar and Your Majesty, and loads more. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at JacksonSource. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, this is Tito Jackson of the Jackson 5. We wish everyone a Happy New Year and a Merry Christmas. So like Jamin mentioned, we sort of introduced a different format of shows this year. We had actually only anticipated on doing, I guess, one series of the roundtable, but we launched the roundtable format and it's a lot of work to put together, Mm -hmm. but we ended up doing two this year. So episodes 41 and 42... That was our Michael Jackson and Prince roundtable discussion. And then not too far after, episode 45 and 46, the Dangerous 25 uh, roundtable discussion. So that's like four episodes of roundtable awesomeness. Yeah, it's probably out of our whole uh, season 
I think it's probably the aspect of our show I'm most proud of. The fact, definitely, yeah, the fact that we were able to create a third format to our show and do it to the standard that we wanted it to be. Uh, and I've got to give a shout out now to Casey Rain um, for coming to us with the Prince concept. Uh, because I don't, if he hadn't have come to us, I don't think we would have really got these roundtables to the level we wanted them. So yeah, I think they're really great to listen to. Um, so head back with no clips. We're not going to share any clips because it's too hard to pick a clip out of those. Yeah, definitely. And I just want to give another special thank you to listeners uh, of the first roundtables, the Prince ones, who who gave us some well placed critical feedback around how we could improve them. And uh, we definitely did try to put those uh, changes in place for the Dangerous 25 ones. Oh, for sure. That so. really shaped the um, the Dangerous 25 roundtables, that feedback, yeah. which we haven't got a lot of feedback. We got some, but not sort of critical feedback on the Dangerous 25 ones. So if you still haven't shared any and you're like, oh, that really bugged me yeah. or that part was really awesome for the roundtable of Dangerous 25 or any of the episodes – then drop us a line because, yeah, that really did shape how we sort of changed the uh, the roundtable format. So we'll see if we get some more of those out next year. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, it depends on what's sort of happening at the time as well. Like uh, it might be an anniversary of something next year or... Because mm. we hadn't planned on doing Dangerous 25 one at all. No. We just got. We just thought, like in the moment, we were like, "Oh my god, it's actually Dangerous 25 this year. Should we not and do something?" They're not doing anything for it at all. Like it was because that, yeah, there was no Dangerous 25 release. And we thought, well, if Sony are not going to do anything for Dangerous 25, then we it's up to us. We have to. So that's where, that came about very quickly. And we were very lucky to get the um, incredible panel that we did for that. There is something meaningful we like to do every year. And you would have noticed it in our first Christmas special for season one. We like to take a certain portion of each interview we do with special guests and combine them into one sort of audio montage. The question we always ask guests that come on the show is how should Michael be remembered? Let's listen back now to how the special guests of season two answered this question. We have one question more that we always ask. We ask every single guest we ever have this question. Anyone that knew Michael or worked with him, we ask it. And the question is, how do you think Michael should be remembered? Well, wow. (laughs) Maybe I already said it, but uh, I think he should be remembered as, you know, a real person. Like, I think he was a real human. He was a real person with real human emotions, and I feel like... I often hear people say, I, I don't know if I'm stating this really well because I, I didn't see this question earlier, but often I hear people say troubled soul, and I, and somehow I, I don't agree with that because I, I met him, and I didn't gather that at all from him. I don't gather that from his work. I think that he was mistreated by many. Um, and that is troubling, but I don't think his soul was troubled. I think his soul was like 
you know, as good as a soul can be. <laughs> and I think that's what people should celebrate um, and remember about him. And I wish he were here, you know. So do we. We we have to we have to do what we can do to um, celebrate when he was and um, and everything he did for us and the world. I mean, it's the more I learn about him, the greater I realize he was and is and and why people like you keep spreading the word. I mean, he's he he was a a musical genius. I mean, he is at the level of you know any any of the great musicians that you could ever think of in your life. I mean, he, he he's at the level of a of a Count Basie, Frank Sinatra, Mozart, like those. He had that kind of musical mind, and any of the musicians that I speak to now, you know, when they find out I've worked with Michael and they've seen This Is It or something, they're like, even people that were in the business didn't know the level that he was at, you know, his talent and his work ethic and all of those things. And, and they all kind of come back to me and agree. They're like, wow, I just watched This Is It and I had no idea the talent that he was. You know, I always enjoyed his music, but I had no idea who he was and, and how involved he was. But he is... He's that kind of guy. I mean, he's that he's he's that level of talent. You know, Prince and Michael. You know, they surpass anybody else out there. Even even Madonna. I'm a huge Madonna fan, but she's still not in the ballpark of of what Michael and Prince created. Um, maybe Beyonce. You know, in our current era, maybe she's in that level. There there is no one else really to compare to. Um, and I would hope that people. Over time, people that weren't Michael Jackson fans, I hope they become fans and realize really what he created and how involved he was. He wasn't just a singer who got some nice songs to sing from the record company. Like, he, he was in it from day one. How do you think Michael should be remembered? Obviously, a lot of people are going to say, you know, Michael should be remembered for his music, for Thriller, for Bad, Dangerous, what have you, on stage performances, dancing ability. I think Michael Jackson should be remembered for his personality because that personality helped to drive who he was and how successful he became. You know, I interviewed 65 collaborators and 90% of them said that Michael Jackson was the nicest person they'd ever met. And I think that, together with elements of his personality where he was slightly ruthless, um, very ambitious, I think putting those together created a perfect storm of making Michael Jackson become the success, the enigma, the mysterious character that we know. I think definitely he should be remembered for his personality because no other superstar will ever have a similar personality and there will never be another Michael Jackson. So I think he should be remembered for his qualities as a human. Ooh, that's a good question. I think Michael should be remembered as a vanguard of fantasy that we can we can run with our fantasies and the visions we have in our head can be made real. I'd like to think of that because what it I'd like to think of him as that because what it does is it leaves it it, it remembers him as this champion of possibility, always. Even, not just in his own work and his own imagery, but even just for the world. Like his, he always saw possibility for the world. Peace, an end to hunger, like 
And in seeing that possibility, he halfway made it true. Like that's the power of vision. Um, that's how I'd like to see him remembered. It's kind of a twofold thing. I'd like for him to be remembered as an in innovator because he really pushed music, he pushed visuals. Um, he did wildly new things and established kind of new media and avenues that he doesn't get a lot of credit for because they were super successful. And so it seems like it's always a fait accompli that of course this was going to be a huge hit. Of course this, you know, there's no risk because it was successful. But if you go back and you go, okay, well, this was actually, you know, a bit of innovation there. And, you know, for me, just remembering Michael as a songwriter, you know, you asked earlier, is he a singer or is he a dancer? You know, he's, he's all of that. He's a singer, dancer, entertainer, but his songwriting talent gets a little bit lost, I think, in those discussions. So, you know, again, uh, it's something that I remember him more for is the songwriting because it all starts with the songs and the way that he could, you know, write and express himself or whether he took someone else's lyrics, you know, such as a human nature and, and kind of imbue it with such passion and feeling that you can't imagine anybody else ever singing it. Um, so, yeah. That's, that's kind of where I would remember him. He's an enormous artist, and not just a musician, a filmmaker, a, a, a dancer, but much more. He was an intellectual, and um, he was a visual artist. He was a filmmaker. Yeah, he was, a, he was an artwork himself. <laughs> and... Um, I think that's 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 the most important thing and with that I think what we are doing with the journal and the courses and writing and especially what Liz did with her book that will make him or give him that legacy so people can remember him and can have the ability to study him and yeah. to get more in depth in who he was as an artist. I really resonate with what Karen said about as an artist and everything that entails. You know, Michael Jackson was a consummate artist and a mortal man. And that makes him a great teacher of us all because great art teaches you something about the way you perceive the world or how the world works or how the world could work and he encourages us to not just sit and watch injustice but to do something in our own way mm. to tip the scale but he always taught us to do it with love and faith and hope you know Michael would never let us give up even if we feel like we're in the face of defeat so for me he's a great artist a consumer artist but also a great teacher of life So of course, being a uh, news and discussion show, we do have those those questions that we ask and those answers that we receive. Then on the flip side, we also 
not everything always goes to plan, <laughs> let's say, as we're putting these episodes together. And I know the, t- the, the tape is always rolling. And, Jamin, you've captured <laughs> a few moments of unplanned things that didn't go really the way it was meant to. Yeah, I've been capturing all the bloopers. <laughs> oh, there's some funny ones from the uh, the whippersnipper to, uh, oh, my God. <laughs> Don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. All right. All right Roll all right. the tape. Let's, Roll the tape. Let's do it. There's some interesting Arabic sounds. Uh, they don't care about a bus. They don't care about. They don't care about buses. They don't care about buses, man. Get them a monorail. <laughs> oh, Christmas special. You okay. better be keeping all of these. Oh, I always do. There's some. Good. There's some good bloopers in here. <laughs> Is there? Because I've been worried. I was like, have we got not enough bloopers this year? Oh man, we got some good. We got about six okay. so far. Oh, great. Okay, well, there's another. Okay, I'm going to give it one more try. If I can't do it, you're doing it. Okay, I'm going to sit back and relax. (laughs) Taj, Tarel, and TJ, their uh, foundation... Do you want to do that again? (laughs) It's Tarel. God damn it. What did I say? You always do that. You say Tyrell every time. Tarel. Tarel. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So head to themjcast.com. Andy, how do you listen to the MJCast? Hello? Q, are you there? Yes, Andy's done Sorry. it. He's no, no, no. Off. Where's He's Andy's just bailed? To get a burger. He's gone to get a burger while we Sorry. talk. I, I, I was about to sneeze and I put you on mute and then I couldn't find the button again to take it off. So oh, ask yeah. again, then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll answer. And did you know that this year marks the 20th anniversary of the release of their hit Anything? Did you already say that? Yeah, I already said that. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> no, that's taking the show. No, edit. I swore as well, so yeah. <laughs> um. <sighs> to me, he should be remembered as a... Oh, my God. <laughs> I do not even Bloopers. <laughs> To me, he should be remembered for bang. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's clear. Okay, awesome. um, guys, just before we um, just take a quick break, there's a couple of things, Paul. I was hoping we could do. Um, there's there's two things I noticed. Just go to the bathroom. One of them. Yeah, we're going to go very <laughs> shortly. Can we, can we do that live on air? <laughs> They've got a new album out on the scene. It's uh, called. Oh my god. Hang on. <laughs> it's chapter called, three, isn't it? It's called chapter three. And he still wanted to keep a hold of that. It was a very important prize for him. I think it represented a lot more than just dollar signs. Than, uh, but uh, you also have to look at the... the um... Fuck, I've lost my train of thought. Fuck! Damn it! <laughs> I was going to say something and now I've forgotten what I was going to say. What the fuck was I going to say? You might have to edit this out. Too many swear words. Maybe. The explicit tag was earned at the 10-second <laughs> mark, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Oh, what I was going to say. I remembered. Okay. I was fortunate enough to be working uh, a part-time job in a record store, and um, we had... <laughs> many dogs come into the store and, and buy Dangerous. Uh, <laughs> 
Jamin, check your messages more. Is your uh, phone on flight mode? I've got it on flight mode. What is Stop putting it on flight mode, man, because you're not on an aeroplane. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you could put your chairs to their upright position. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the MJ Cast. It's Saturday, the 24th is... Yeah. <laughs> Right. that up. <laughs> so, in other Jackson's news, Latoya has just featured in a duet with Tehran. Oh, an Iranian God, Jamin, no. no. This Jamin. is Q section, you can't do it. Oh, I'm not allowed to talk about Latoya. No, you can't, because <laughs> you don't it. say things right. The song is called Tehran. <laughs> <laughs> we did this last time. <laughs> <laughs> This is going into bloopers. All right. Deja vu. Here we go. Again, this is hilarious. Last news story. Latoya Jackson. What, so you're just taking over the whole thing? Okay, go for it. Jamin, you can't pronounce the names. (laughs) I can't either, but at least I can get the name of the song right. Let's Get Serious just featured in a new song called Jermaine Jackson. That's right. He was singing a... (laughs) <laughs> the guitar was singing the whole song. That's right. The jeweled guitar sang well. <laughs> Hi, this is Scott Ross, lead investigator on the Michael Jackson trial, and you are listening to the MJ cast. Thank you for listening. That's perfect. <laughs> you got it in you got it in one. One go. <laughs> I guess I'm a ham after all. <laughs> <laughs> um speaking of ham. <laughs> The next, um, Jamin. the next favor I have. Oh, thanks, Q. I got that. I got that. And we'll even pop a little um, trailer for the film, which is. Oh my god! Strike a pose. Wow. Why am I forgetting this? It's right in front of me. Okay. Sorry, Jamin. I'm so. No, sorry. that's okay. This is your Tehran moment. Yeah. Tell me about. It. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Christmas special. There we go. <laughs> I I was gonna say something. I forgot what it was. Damn it. Special? No, it wasn't special. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Q. Um. <laughs> it's like it's right on the tip of my tongue. It oh. starts with an S. <laughs> so moving on in the news stories, there was a. 14 minute 28 version of the short film The Way You Make Me Film. Uh, Sorry, Jamin. It's okay. Hello and welcome to the MJ cast. It's Saturday, the 27th of February, 2016. What is it? 2015? 2016? Oh, crap. Okay, start again. I got five seconds in. All right. (laughs) Oh, great. Someone's. Are you joking? That's hilarious. Someone's whippersnippering. Can you hear that? Yeah, this better go in the bloopers. <laughs> Bloody whippersnappers. That's so funny. Oh, God, this is going to ruin the show. Well, maybe they've only got a small garden. There it is. So um, it's called Off the Wall from the Beginning Brick by Brick. So I found it, finally. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies to all listeners. There is a rogue whippersnapper outside my house. <laughs> Lock the cats up. That's so funny. That's something that would happen at my school. Oh, That's so bloody whippersnappers! <laughs> How am I going to record a freaking podcast with a whippersnapper going outside the window? Well, we'll just have to carry on. 
If it's not the bloody crows, it's the whippersnippers. Don't you get paid really well? Just go bribe him. 50 bucks. Do this later, buddy. Oh, Jesus. All right. Send, send, send your wife out. <laughs> she can yell at him. We're just going to have to roll with it. People are just yeah. going to have to ignore the whippersnipper. Listeners, farewell from us. I want to say if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. It is for free. We do all of this for you for free. Um, so subscribe on iTunes or a podcast application and then you can take it with you in your pocket while you do commuting or anything like that. Cut all of that, Jamin. Cut all of that. Elizabeth. <laughs> I'd for- Jamin's like, I'm texting Jamin at the same time. Have I forgotten? What am I? Make sure I do the details for us. So I'm writing notes at the same time. So cut all of that, Jamin. I'll do that again. Miss Elizabeth, thank you so much. It's the first time I've got to speak to you as well as Sam. So it's been an absolute pleasure today. Thank you for joining us. Can I jump right into something about Michael's case? Do you mind? Absolutely. Yeah, go for it. There was a huge, huge, huge issue that everybody completely ignored, which is sort of mind-boggling to me. And it was probably the first thing that I picked up on. And they they talked about all of these different people. You had Dieter Konitzer, and I forget the other, whatever his name was, the the other German guy. The songs are still on the market. They are still making money out of those songs. The people who are involved are all making money. And you remember the kind of concerted effort by sympathetic journalists. To Sony and my uh, no, sorry, sorry, tech. sorry. I've got into everything. Just went garbled and crazy. Oh, okay. Can, Can you, you hear us? Hang on, my computer's just. Whoa, Siri's going off. iTunes is playing. Everything's going crazy. <laughs> Seriously, I don't know what's going on. Uh, where did we get to? Hang on, I, I don't even know because my music was going crazy. Oh my god. Seriously, like my Siri is activating and all this music's happening. Is someone hacking into my computer? This is crazy. <laughs> uh, sorry. Justin Timberlake just started singing at me. Well, you've only got yourself to play. <laughs> okay, guys, I'm going to have to figure something out here because this is wild. Okay, right. I'm going to use this opportunity to run to the bathroom. I'll be like one minute. Yeah. You know, there's Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, and Vixen. Coming and Cuban and Donnery Blitzen. But do you recall the most famous reindeer of all? Hey, Rudolph. Whoa, Rudolph. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows. All of the other reindeers used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer game. Oh, then one foggy Christmas Eve, Santa came to say, Hey Rudolph, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sled tonight? Then how the reindeers loved you As they shouted out with glee Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer You go down in history You go down in history Hey, Rudolph
foggy Christmas Eve Santa came to say Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sled tonight? Then how the reindeers loved him, as they shouted out with glee. Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, you go down in history. You go down in, you go down in history. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This is Jackie Jackson of the Jackson 5, wishing happy holidays to all Motown fans. Season 2. Done. Done. That's a wrap. Congratulations. Yeah, congrats to you. <laughs> God, thank you for all of your hard work, Jamin, because, oh. oh my God, I barely even understand of the concept of uh, editing the show and putting the show notes together and everything, but I know that... Oh my God, it takes, well, some of the episodes take days for you to put together. So thank you. It doesn't take a lot of time every single day, but once every two weeks, it knocks out like a good day and a half from my life. Mm, so I think it'd be more than that. So it's pretty, pretty, but you do a similar amount of time. You just spread it over every no. day. Yeah. But yeah, that's with social no, media. You put in, you put in so much work to edit these shows together. It's incredible. Well, thank you. So dude. thank you for your sacrifice and for all the technical expertise that you have that I do not. On that note, next, gotta, gotta, we've gotta talk about next year and a uh, little change that's happening in my life. <laughs> And my oh yes, life. yeah, yeah, yeah. Baby, baby, Jamin, baby bull, baby bull on its way, which is really exciting. And yes, yes, like we said on social media, new little Moonwalker is joining the family. And don't worry, listeners, I'm already training baby bull in the womb to enjoy Michael Jackson as much as I can. So awesome! <laughs> it'll come out moonwalking. Uh, poorly, poorly. That's gonna hurt. <gasps> oh. But the thing is, with that, like, I don't know how that's going to change my availability. So, I just want everybody to know that nothing big is changing with my involvement with the MJ cast. I'm still going to be on board 100% and with Q, 50-50 the whole way. I still want to be on as many episodes as I have been this year, but... I just don't know how my life's going to change. And I suppose there's a lot of parents listening out there right now that are thinking, yep, it's going to change. <laughs> Your life's going to change. Because every parent that I speak to says, yeah, it changes. So um, I'm, I'm not hiding away from the fact that I'm going to be a lot more busier come mid-year. And I guess I'm just asking everybody to be patient with us. Uh, you might have a few shows in the middle of the year where you might have uh, a different host with Q for a bit. Who knows? I don't know what'll happen. Maybe I'll find it really easy to record. But 
we'll see. So yeah, just want to prep everybody six months in advance that season three might be a little bit different depending on what happens with my availability. Like we've tried really hard this year to keep the schedule fairly consistent and except once when your computer died. Yeah. I think we achieved that and then towards the end of the year, we actually overachieved that because we had so much content. That's right. That we had to do a lot of weeks of not bi-weekly releases but weekly releases. So that sort of threw this not didn't throw the schedule out, but you got more than bonus, what you paid for. More, yeah, you got more than what you paid for. <laughs> so we'll do our best with the schedule next year. Yeah, but be understanding that I have uh, the technical expertise of making toast, and Jamin <laughs> might have his hands full, literally changing changing nappies. And and but we do have Jason who does the Espanol show beautifully. So yes. he um, might be able to jump on board. And another thing we can do as well is record, maybe we could record three or four shows in advance, like specials. That, uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we just well, good out. luck. Good luck. Uh, we'll see. We've already got two specials in the bag ready to go. <laughs> we do. We have two specials recorded mm-hmm. uh, with MJ collaborators for early on in season three. So we have those up our sleeve already and we've, got a rough plan of our first episode back we have uh, i'm looking forward to having someone join us to co-host that show that will be a lot of fun i haven't been on before no and it's a girl yay um so we've pretty much got our first four shows planned out um for season three they're going to be really exciting um at present two of them are specials with very prominent collaborators so that will be awesome um but other plans and dreams we have for next year i'm really excited to continue our vision of roundtable shows but take it to the level where we're actually getting um at least one michael collaborator in the mix with other people like authors and academics and fans as well just to to give it a little bit more depth so that should be that should be exciting if we could do that that would be cool um, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, what else? What else? Video. Um, episode one's going to be fully filmed. You're going to get a video of us speaking. That's not correct at all. <laughs> so I'm just trying to scare you. Yes, <laughs> you are. He's afraid of video. <laughs> I'm not afraid of you. I just don't want it. Don't like it. Oh, well. But so that, no, that is not going to be happening for the first episode of season three. What are your hopes and dreams for the future of the MJ cast, Q? I don't like change, so I'm hoping that it just continues to evolve the way that it has for season two yeah. and continues in quality and quantity and just uh, strength to strength, I think. What about guests, though? Like, are there any particular kinds of guests you'd want to speak to? We were very close this year to getting, and it was only because of schedule conflicts Things were like they like people had agreed to come on for sure, and it was only because of schedule conflicts, which is perfectly understandable, that we didn't get to talk to um, Tito or the three T gents. Yeah. So that was a little bit of a shame. So I guess next year, hopefully, we'll we'll try and line those up again. But yeah, they were very close to happening. So that was not disappointing. It was understandable. 
So, but, you know, knowing that we've got another season next year, then hopefully we can do that. I don't know. We'll just, we'll throw out a whole bunch of emails and see. See what happens. What responses we get. Definitely. And what responses we get, then we'll work with that. But this year I was really, well, very proud of the roundtables. I think you did a great job with the Prince one. And then I had nerves but i had fun doing the dangerous 25 one yeah we, we should really give a special shout out at this point to um to paul black who was incredibly instrumental with uh i guess having a background in broadcasting or a background yep. in editing and yes. things like that he was really able to coach us through the process of um sort of hosting and managing a roundtable and of course he did such a great job of that on prince and sort of set the framework and and groundwork for us to build on with later episodes yeah definite big thanks to paul for that big you know i I was really proud of the charles episode that he put out for um episode 44 yeah the world music awards 10th anniversary special i think that raised the bar hugely and was an incredible episode so uh that was like really a great moment it was also this year really great to get James mm-hmm. in finally on the show uh, and not in really a small capacity. I think the discussion that James added this year and his points of view were really phenomenal and I really enjoyed listening to them and sharing those and discussing around those. So James Allay, I thought that this year was a big step up and I'd look forward to having James on in season three as well. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to note, like we when we go into these seasons, we always kind of think, well, our most popular shows are going to be our specials. And that was certainly the case for season one. Tom Mesereau and Taj Jackson specials were just, the downloads were through the roof. With this season, um, even though our average download amounts have been raising week over week um, since when we started, the most popular episode for the season actually hasn't been a special, believe it or not. It was the one with James. Um, the first episode we had with James. Yeah, that one yeah. was flying out the door. It was amazing. So that was episode 38. Michael, it's your birthday. Happy birthday, Michael. Another thing I really hope for for our next um, for the next year is that our Espanol show, hosted by Jason, Ali and Sandra, just continues to go from strength to strength as well. They seem to be doing a great job. Yeah, putting some great shows together, some great specials together. So yeah, I hope that uh, any listeners out there that have Spanish-speaking MJ fans uh, go and share the MJ cast en Espanol with them so that if they don't know about it, that they can discover it and enjoy that, please. That would be really great of you to do. Awesome. So we've got a few thank yous. Not like last year. <laughs> last Just year they were spread now. out through all the show, weren't yeah. they, like every half Last year. year we had hundreds. We can't do that this year, so... Sorry to every single listener that we've interacted with via Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or email. I can't thank you all because literally it's thousands. <laughs> it is. Uh, I'll kick things off if you want. I really want to give a, a big thank you to James LA. Uh, a lot of people know James from being on a couple of episodes this season, but in addition to guest hosting with us, James is also a very big part of what we do at the MJ cast. He is our Mr. Behind the Scenes. 
he looks after all of the stuff to do with the server storage and WordPress. And he basically fixes problems when things go wrong and calms me down when I go into psycho Jamin things aren't working mode. So, um, James, thank you so much for all the hard work you do for the MJ cast. It literally wouldn't be possible without you. I also want to give a big thank you and shout out to Jason Garcia, Alacuerta and Sandra De La Vega. Thank you for the tireless efforts you put into the MJ cast in Espanol. You guys are amazing. Wanted to say thank you to Charles Thompson for your incredible contributions this year, not only just your um, your episode snippets when you were talking about the uh, Casio court case documents, but you've contributed a lot to episodes and specials uh, and discussions. So thank you very much, Charles. Wanted to say thank you to Andy Healy for being part of episodes and for just contributing so much to the community in general as well mm-hmm. want to say thank you to jermaine devores for contributing some uh, of your incredible audio expertise for when we needed it this year we really appreciate uh the the little clip audio clip that you made for us that is come in handy so thank you so much and we look forward to it working further with you Big shout out also and thanks to my MJ brother, Paul Black. Thank you for your support and for your expertise, for your advice and for your contributions to season two of the MJ cast. And of course, Elizabeth and Karen, thank you so much for all you do for the MJ community, for education and for your podcast and contributions. So thank you so much. And thank you for being a part of season two of the MJ cast. Jenkins, you're the man. We love your episodes of Moonwalk Talks. Thank you for everything you do for the Michael Jackson community. Thanks for joining forces with us when we did our Halloween special. It was so much fun. We can't wait to collaborate with you in the future. So thanks heaps and have a Merry Christmas, brother. Uh, Samar, we absolutely love it when you come on the show. We've had incredible feedback. Thanks for all of your brilliant, brilliant insights and contributions. I think the thing, uh, somebody was talking to me yesterday about when you're on the show and they, they said something really great. They said, the reason it's so good to listen to Samar is because he was around during when a lot of great micro products were coming out in um, the early 80s. So we can hear from you uh, what it was like when Thriller was coming out and those kind of projects. So thank you so much for all your amazing contributions. Mike Smallcomb, we love making Michael. It is one of the best books on Michael ever released and in my opinion, the best biography. So thank you so much for coming on the MJ cast and supporting us. Uh, we can't wait to continue supporting you into the next year as well. Huge thank you to Carly. Carly, thank you for your live tweeting. That has started a few other people joining in. Uh, Of course, if you're going to be live tweeting, you're listening to this episode, the hashtag will be hashtag the MJCast EP48. So we always love reading through uh, once we click on those hashtags to, to see the live tweets that people uh, put out. So thank you so much for that, Carly. And big thank you to the um, the document that you made for us uh, yeah. for the end of the year as well. Huge. Oh, my God. So much work has gone into that. So we really appreciate that. Thank you very much. But, of course, this show wouldn't be possible without listeners. So to our subscribers across our podcast uh, apps, Thank you so much. And to listeners across the other mediums, thank you so much. This uh, show, of course, uh, is 
yes, it's me and Jamin catching up and talking MJ stuff, which we, we love doing, but we love that we get to share it with all of you and that you are enjoying it. So listeners, I can't list everyone here and I can't list all those that I've had interactions Why not, with. Q? But no, because I don't have 15 hours <laughs> to do such things, but we really appreciate you listening and tuning in and letting us know that you've enjoyed it and um feel free at this point if you haven't already go and rate and review us over on itunes or any other podcast app that'd be great as well hot tip thank you very much okay thanks bye thank you to yannicka of jackson source magazine thank you so much uh, we hope that you have a wonderful christmas and have had a successful year over at jackson source and thank you for all you do for the jackson family and the community as well and big thank you to mj vibe and kingvention team for your contributions to the community this year as well and thank you for letting us be one of your partners for kingvention thank you so much and we're so glad that it was a, a huge success again and we look forward to seeing what you have in store for the mj community in 2017 and lastly our final thank you a very heartfelt one to vera sarova thank you for everything that you do not just for the fan community but for michael jackson himself and the jackson family uh what you're doing at the moment with your tireless efforts in court uh is absolutely respected deeply respected uh by people in the community and uh, certainly by Q and myself. So we want to say Very thank much. you so much for everything you're doing. And we are going to keep an incredibly close eye on the developments uh, in the court case that you're bringing. So thank you and best of luck with everything. Thank you, Vera. You're the best. People making lists, buying special
Hi, this is Jermaine Jackson of the Jackson 5 of Motown. We wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. So over the break, I would say keep your eyes peeled over on the website mm-hmm. and across our social media. Like we'll still be uh, on social media during that time. But when we get time, we will put out a survey that you can give us feedback and help shape uh, season three of the MJ cast. So yep. stay tuned for the survey. Survey won't be as long as last year's. A bit of feedback. <laughs> there was feedback on the feedback survey that it was just slightly too long. So we'll try and shorten that up. But it, it is. It wasn't too long. It was just the first one we had to do and we needed a lot of base information. And it, it is a really, really crucial, important way for you to shape the MJ cast. Q and I believe that even though we are the showrunners, that the show is by MJ fans for MJ fans. And we want you to have input into what the show evolves into. So please take the time to do the survey so that we have the information on where to take the show. Uh, and yeah, we won't be back for a little while. We're going to have a, a break. We need we need our breaks. Otherwise, we just, we just can't keep going forever. So we do need to have a little bit of time off. Yeah, and prepare stuff for season three. For season three. And you can probably expect us to be back around February-ish, I'd say. So, yeah, yeah, a little bit of time off there for you to relax and recoup. There's a lot of episodes for you to go back and listen to if you haven't heard them all from this season. Don't forget, there's also uh, Moonwalk Talks and The Dream Lives On for, for you to enjoy as well. And lots of great Michael Jackson books that have come out this year that you can fill your time with until we return. And, of course, awesome Jackson music to go and listen to. Oh, yeah. You can actually get into Michael Jackson stuff too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Speaking of which, I can't wait to put on the Jackson 5 Christmas album soon. Oh, totally. Love it. So good. It's so good. Oh, my God. So uh, what are your plans for the next couple of weeks? Are you going to be catching up with family a lot? and Uh, Work. Work. Tell me you don't have to work like Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Actually, this roster is somewhat of a miracle roster. Christmas um, has fallen over a weekend this year, as has New Year. So uh, where I'm based, it's actually quiet flying over the weekends, which yeah. is why I bid for my weekends off to do this show. Um, 
So it actually worked out that I've got Christmas off. And like I know in some bases, you need to be 14 years junior to even get the chance of not working Christmas. Wow. So, yeah, I've been lucky. Like I've done a couple of years where I haven't had to work Christmas and I've done some years where I've had to work all day Christmas or go away or just work half the day. But this year, at this point, if someone needs it, like a mum or a family that needs it, I, I might swap onto it if they've got something yeah. they can give me for maybe Boxing Day instead. Mm. Um, but, yeah, no, this year – but, no, but, you know, flights go all the time. There's a lot of people travelling over Christmas, so I'll be doing – I'm not really having a break. I have got a week off in January, yeah, which I will be going to the um, Perth uh, in the studio with MJ seminars oh, so from jealous. Brad Sundberg. So I'll be doing that over the break. And then um, next year I'll be able to share the experience with you. I think uh, many of our listeners across Australia and maybe New Zealand might be traveling and going to the Brad Sundberg um, seminars in Melbourne, Sydney, and Perth. So let us know your thoughts if you do go to those. But if you haven't, head over to Brad's website uh, in the studio with mj.com and get your tickets if you haven't already. But that will be what I'll be doing over the break. And yeah, probably house stuff. I need to get some stuff done around the house and in the garden. And of course, you're moving. It's your turn to move house I know. As, as we speak. We're, I'm doing it. As we speak. I'm literally moving house now. We're boxing stuff and we're taking it over to the new place. Luckily, we're moving pretty close to where we already live, but to a nicer, bigger place ready for baby ball. And. Yeah, then after that, I'm going on an epic long drive down south to Brisbane to spend Christmas with family, which I can't wait. It's my favorite time of the year, hanging out with them and catching up and lots of hugs and lots of great food. Uh, And then uh, straight after Christmas, a few days still in Brisbane, and then just before New Year's, Lee and I are jumping on a plane and for the first time, we're heading over to New Zealand which should be fantastic. We're going to New Zealand for two weeks. So hello, all of our New Zealand listeners. We're on our way. There were some um, ladies from New Zealand that came across to Melbourne for the Dangerous 25 celebrations. That's awesome. So, yeah, drop. please, um, if you're a New Zealand listener, please drop me a line at themjcast at icloud.com and let me know if there's any cool MJ things to see in New Zealand. Maybe I should get my hands on a copy of Travelling with a King to see if uh, New Zealand has any MJ sites. So, yeah, it should be a really good holiday where the, the thing I'm looking forward to most actually is going to Hobbiton, the filming. <laughs> I'm serious, the, the filming location for Hobbiton in, in the Lord of the Rings films. Oh my God, that is like going to be, it's like a pilgrimage, really, because I'm such a big Tolkien fan. So, that's going to be awesome. Weta Workshop, going to a lot of the different sort of natural locations in uh, New Zealand is going to be great as well. So, make sure you keep an eye on. Um, our social media because I'll be sure to tweet out some travel photos as well as I'm getting around there. Um, speaking of which, maybe it's time to give our listeners the heads up on where they can find us on social media if they're not following us already. So, of course, email us directly, themjcast at icloud.com. You can find us on Tumblr if you search for the MJCast. We are over at YouTube, which hopefully we'll be able to catch up <laughs> over the break as yeah, well. awkward. Awkward. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, just search for The MJ Cast. You will find us across all of those networks. You will find us on Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, 
Apple podcast, iTunes podcasts, uh, Android podcast apps. Um, where else are we? We're across so many ways that you can find us. I think, what's that other funny little one? Tune in. No, I said that, I think. Um, I don't know. There's other weird ones people have added us to that we don't even know about. So, <laughs> Yes. So you can find us. Just search for the MJ cast. But our hub website is themjcast.com. And from there, you can go directly to the shows. You can go to the subscribe buttons. Uh, you will find the MJ cast in Espanol over there as well. Casio Docs. Casio document updates, which we had one recently. So please go and check that out. So that is your main source of the MJ cast. That's right. Just a bit of a plug as well for subscribing gold medal to all of our subscribers, silver to the people who go to the website to stream us. You're in the bad books. Not really. We just love it. <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> we love like it. Simon. Simon. Oh, has sorry. To, oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Simon. Oh, no. Simon's going to kill me. He has me. to. Yeah, because he doesn't do that. He just does it by the side at work. So I understand that. Can't Simon if he was get, in the, get on iTunes? If he was in the car, no, because it's in the work computer. Um, oh. But if he was in the car, I'm sure he would listen on a podcasting app. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Simon. Okay, so anyway, um, wow. definitely subscribe if you can because there's a reason why. If you subscribe through Apple's podcast app or one of the other apps that Q mentioned, what happens is the show gets delivered to you. You don't have to go looking for it. You'll get a notification on your phone saying there's a new episode. You can play it right within the app. You can pause it. You can come back to it later. You can access the show notes right there in the application, follow links to different things. Awesome. So yeah, please subscribe and... Rate and review the show. Yes, we haven't had a review in quite a while, so we love it when we get reviews. It's kind of like on the yep. same level as emails for us. We love it. Well, no way. It's Julian times more. It's, it's better. Sorry. It's way, way light years ahead getting a review because rating and reviewing the show increases its visibility so other MJ fans can hear it and they can find it. So without people rating, reviewing, or sharing, that's another huge thing. Thanks for liking our Facebook posts and our tweets, but that does nothing. Well, liking the Facebook sh- post does. Oh, okay. Liking Facebook does, but sharing it would be even better. Yeah. But yeah, share the stuff. And I know the ones that are already sharing it, thank you very much. We really appreciate that. But the others that are not, please, you can share it. And then that's how it gets out there and continues and will continue to evolve and continue on. Definitely. Well, that brings us to the end of season two of the MJ Cast. Q, thanks for everything this year. You're welcome. I wish you and the hubs and the cats the very, very best Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas, mate. I love you. Thank you, man. Love you too. Yes, you too. Uh, to your beautiful wife and to baby bull. Uh, <laughs> congratulations again and uh, enjoy your break. You actually do get a break from work. Mm, five weeks. So in five weeks. It seemed longer when I was back in school. Uh, we get, well, combined with the other holidays, it's about 11 weeks a year, 10 to 11 weeks a year. I don't know. I always thought when I was in primary school and I guess high school as well, Christmas holidays were months and months long. Because in Australia, the big break is at the end of the school year before they then go back to school and start the next level up 
uh, and it's over summer, so it's like summer holidays yeah. here in Australia. That's it's right. the big break. But yeah, you enjoy that because you know that you've earned it. You've had a massive year at work. So yeah. many things have happened. So you, I know you need to just go and decompress yes. and not have that burnout that um, Elizabeth and Karen were talking about yeah. that teachers get. That's right. I don't want that to happen. Um, so yeah, so all my love to, to yourself and uh, your wife and baby bull. And thank you again for all of your awesome hard work for the whole MJ community. You too, brother, and uh, enjoy Christmas. And to all of our listeners, we love you. Keep Michaeling. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, listeners. Thank you so much. Enjoy your season and peace and love to all. Michael on. a wrap i know we're gonna think about stuff we forgot to include (laughs) i just know it the mj cast